Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of July, 2020. You may or may not hear in the background a fan going because, uh, like most places right now, at the height of summer, it's awfully humid up here in Canada. And uh, they're surrounded by lakes everywhere, lots and lots and lots of lakes. The humidity is pretty, pretty high. That's how it's always been in this area. So this really is a normal summer for this part of Canada. Folk forget it, you know, because they think that things should be the same, like clockwork every year. But weather, weather has never been that way. But folk don't remember. They really don't. They do tune into to their TV to hear what the weather is supposed to be, rather than just look outside or walk outside and look around you. Uh, it really is amazing how we're so conditioned, isn't it, to, to just obey experts. And what's an expert on the TV telling you about the weather? Someone who's also reading the weather. I mean, uh, the whole thing's a farce, but so much of modern life is a farce. And it's been that way for an awful long time. We have been trained, like Bertrand Russell said, to, to believe whatever experts say. All you have to say this is an expert. There's no proof that they are, or, or, you know, or they aren't experts. But it, that doesn't matter either, doesn't it? Uh, we we just we just immediately obey. Oh my goodness, this is an expert talking about the weather. How long have you lived on this planet? Walk outside and look around, look up, eh? and look at those clouds if you can see them. And you might just fathom out what it's going to be yourself. You've as much chance of doing. Actually, probably better. You're living in the area, right? And now, of course, when they came out with the Weather Channel, I did a show years ago on the Weather Channel and the history behind it. And a good book had come out about it, too, of someone who'd be employed there. And the whole idea was to start to change the behavior of the public once again so they wouldn't perceive weather as living through it through your lifetime and so on. They would perceive what they were told to perceive by the behavioral experts. So, and sure enough, uh, who's going to sit and watch the Weather Channel for 24 hours a day, eh? I, I, I know there's obsessive-compulsive disorders out there, but come on, eh, get a life. But the idea was to change it. Oh, my goodness, there's going to be a flood today. And, you, you know, you, 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 you just, all you saw was a little sprinkle of rain. Normal, eh? But that became, and, and I'll tell you what I've really noticed too, in Canada especially, ever since the whole global warming far started, for the climate change, remember climate change, the whole agenda for the new normal society, the new world order, and they've said it themselves, hinges on con- convincing the public that everything's going berserk and it's all the public's fault, it's your fault. You know, anthropogenic global warming, right? That kind of fell flat, so they changed it over to, to climate change, because they can't, they can't fail then. Whatever the, the climate does for a day or two or weeks or whatever is, is going to be your fault anyway. It, it, we truly live in, in a make-believe fantasy world put together by behaviorists, well-paid people, who decide, you what, decide what you're going to think. And, and even they decide how, in ways that they're going to brainwash you until you're adopting what they want you to think. That's been, it's really a perfected system, by the way, including making sure that the children for the last 20 or 30 years have been brainwashed into it until they're ready to kill their parents off. You destroyed the planet. We've, we've been brought up with that at school. They told us all the bad things you've done to the planet, and it's all your fault. So bad that now you've got some environmentalists who come out 
who are part of the terror-making machinery, admitting uh, and actually apologizing for what they said and did, knowing it was part of a con for massive change. And you know, again, see, there's only one agenda here. There's many ways to get it all happening and bringing it to the point of the one agenda, the end product. And of course, you've got COVID going along with massive um, demonstrations on Black Lives Matter, Antifa groups running wild all over the place, across the planet, mind you. And, and before that, too, you had all the last year and the year before massive demonstrations of all the youth. That, that, now, the leaders know what they're, what they're there for. They know what the real agenda is. They're getting well paid to do all this. The followers don't. They never do. They're, they're, they've been radicalized by, the, by their education system. But the leaders know exactly what it's all to. All, in fact, the same leaders try to take their flocks, their followers, into the Black Lives Matters group. If you, if you wonder what's happened to, to the Extinction Rebellion, well, they're all in the, the BLF and the Antifa groups now. So all, this is a networking of communism. <laughs> Only this communism is a more efficient system for this time in history for those who rule the world. It's the same people, but they want to get really rushed ahead with technology and a new system, depopulation, all that stuff, very much more quickly. And they can't do it with democracy and human rights. I've been through all the talks before, from their own sources, mind you. But, uh, and again, I know, I believe in a, at a time when, in an age when facts don't matter, because the brainwashing is far superior and consistent and uh, awfully expensively done. <laughs> Folk don't like cheap stuff. They believe the expensive lies. And so they tune into the mainstream, the big, big talking heads, etc. I mean, and again, too, why would the exper- experts and, and, and professionals all lie to you? Well, it's for big bucks. And, and if you talk to them, really, they're so politicized. They're all on board with eugenics. They're all on board with depopulation. They'll use every group and every ethnic category to get what they want, but they, but they never lose track of where they're really going. Right? This, is so st- this is all standard stuff. This idea of divide, conquer, divide, conquer, divide, conquer, having them all fighting each other, making things dysfunctional until the public plead to be brought out of their misery by a, by a system that's going to work. And, and they're only too happy to oblige you, you see. But again, through technocracy, again, which is, was adopted to an extent, not, it wasn't perfected in the Soviet system, which had its massive share of corruption, because in a socialist system, uh, in a a completely atheist system, by the way, of of materialism, uh, you truly see the corruption come to... There's there's nothing that holds you back. I mean, there's no no moral uh, conscience there when when you worship people who are stinking rich. And you want all the goodies that's dangled in front of your eyeballs. And you get positions in power and over the general population. You get your hands in the cookie jar and you help yourself. And that's how simple it is in true Soviet-type systems of equality. You know? And here we are doing the same thing here with collectivism. And it's the biggest trillionaires on the planet, the same people who already have run it for, for goodness knows how long, who are simply going into this next step, this stage of of technocracy, technocratic control, using experts to, to, from birth to death to guide us all, you see, birth to death, cradle to grave, and deciding who will have children, who will not. That already came out to one of, the, one of the, the previous climate meetings they came out with, who would, and this has been an old, old agenda for them, but they're voicing it rather more openly today.
So with COVID, uh, the whole COVID thing, which has never passed any cock test for, for proving it actually exists as a, an actual distinct virus. And that's a fact, folks. I'll give you some articles tonight on that. But again, facts don't matter to most folk because they can't believe that these deadpan faces like Fauci comes on every day telling you to be very, very afraid and to be terrified and to put your faith in them. And women are. And it's mainly women, older women, actually, are really putting their faith in Fauci and and shouting everybody down on his behalf. Right? This guy who's got his fingers in every pie along with Bill Gates for this whole agenda, including the big companies that are going to have vaccinations pumped into you. They're, they're, so, they're so involved with and compromised. It's astonishing we're, we're, we're letting it go this far. Really. But you can do an awful lot when you terrorize the public. And as I've said before, and many times since, it's, it's just the stampede technique of using the cattle in a the field. Uh, they're quite happy. They're quite happy grazing because humans are the same, but we like to live in the same spot generally once you're settled a bit and you, you, you don't want to move and, and you're quite happy. And even though things get pretty bad, things are still familiar around you. You want to stay there. So how do you get them to move and to a, a, adopt your new normals? Well, you bring in the behaviourists that terrify you, get you stampeding till you can't think straight. And that's the technique, of course, that that um, others have. Adolf Hitler has said, and he copied the, the top Soviets. Uh, that done it, said it before him. The best way to get the people to comply is to ter- terrorise them. They can't think logically when they're terrified. And that's why you get terror, terror, terror. And people tune in every day. They tune in every day for a daily dose of terror. Even though all the last stuff was all debunked, really, with the testing, the faulty testing, the faulty numbers. Everybody who's dying is getting lumped in as COVID. And they're doing the same, exact same things again. But it, does, see that it doesn't matter. See, logic doesn't work with folk who are terrified. They'll go along with it when, when those that are stampeding them point the direction for them to go. And they'll go right into the little... Uh, well, when you do it with cattle... If you ever watch cattle going through the pens, there's a kind of run where they go between, um, it's like a, 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 a corridor they go down. It's, it's boxed in, except for the top. And eventually they go single file, and that's where the, the people inject the cattle or spray them sometimes. I've already seen it done. They spray them with a, a chemical that eradicates uh, all the different parasites they have inside and out them outside their bodies it, it literally penetrates the skin invented by the military industrial complex for 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 nerve agents to bring and that's really the, the, the agent they use is the same carrying medium that takes the agent through the skin it permeates the skin so that's awfully effective for the cattle and it's so powerful in fact that the the, the cattle are not supposed to come out into the same fields as horses or other animals, because just rubbing themselves past them uh, and, and contact uh, can cause very quick death to the horse. It'll kill the parasites in the intestine so fast, causes complete blockage and ends up with a, a rather quick, painful death for the horse. But anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> that's how you do it. You, you guide the pe- them all and you, and you scare them and everybody's carrying these sticks which they weave around. They don't hit the, the cattle with them but they, stay, they make them look bigger and, and they, they yell and scream and then they, they, they guide the cattle into that corridor and they go down the corridor one by one. They can't get through any other way. 
Well, that's how we get, we get managed the same way, you see. Uh, now the cattle eventually know they won't get going. They can see that other ones coming out the other end eventually as get their injections or whatever they're getting. And, and so they realize that the only way they're going to get into that field beyond is to comply. And we're the same. Well, you, you won't be able to go out of your house unless you take uh, your COVID shot, which may kill you. If I, Bill Gates said that, remember, 700,000 folk, at least in the world, will die of, just with a reaction to it. But, but that's acceptable, you know, in his way, his psychopathic way. And that's just the, the, initial, the initial reaction for a lot of folk. Never mind the, the later actions and so on, the destruction of your immune systems and things like that. Uh, and uh, and vaccinate, we call it vaccination accident responses and so on. Long term. It doesn't matter. We're dealing with psychopaths, you see. And, they, and there they are every day terrifying you to comply. And if you want to get through and go to work, you'll have to have a passport. Electronic, preferably. So if you haven't got a cell phone, get one. Uh, or you won't get out, you see. And that, that, little, that little app has to come up green for you, meaning you're safe to, to go where you're going. Or else you're going to get put in prison for goodness. Or if you, and, but initially, this, they simply aren't going to allow you out of your home unless you comply. I, 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 we're supposed to be adults, folks, but we're treated worse than you would treat a child in this day and age because children wouldn't put up with us, <laughs> really. But we, we will, you see, because threats work awfully well. Compliance. You understand there's nothing they cannot do to you to get you to comply. Nothing. And if you say, well, you, you mean you're forbidding me to... To, to leave my, oh, we're not forbidding you to leave the home. We're, we're, you have options, you know. What's your option? Take the shot and get a passport. This is how the game's played, you see. is standard stuff. It's like, it's like the whole carbon economy, which has nothing to do with what they tell you. It's one thing, monopolization for a few power companies to have all power for heating in a whole bit. Do away with coal, then do away with oil. And, and maybe even eventually do away with gas, right? You're left, left with electric, you see. And then you're going to get brownouts as they share and ration it all. That, that, they did this, I did this talk years ago when it came out from the U European Union that that was a plan for the future, uh, the future austerity. Not just for the European Union, but for the world, eh? And you're going to, you're, you're coming, it doesn't matter, I'm telling you the facts, again, the facts don't matter. And most folk will tune back into their TV tomorrow to get the next dose of terror. And, uh, and it's pretty sad. That's what we're living through. But yeah, a post-democratic society. And, and every possible scam has been used to make it all happen. As I said, the Club of Rome came out years ago, many years ago. They were tasked with finding something that would, to make the folk comply with the agenda. You know, of giving up their rights and, and being guided by those in charge, you know, who would be appointed in charge. And they said, well, this is, yeah, cl climate change and famine and, and, and uh, drought and these kind of things, pestilence, that would fit the bill. So, so humans would be the enemy, then that's what they will teach. And, and they've done it, awfully successful. So the enemy to the, human, to the planet, therefore, is mankind, right? They thought of all other ways, even UFOs at one point, and that wouldn't wash either. 
So they, they settled on that, you see, because who's going to complain about the weather? You, most folk have no much, not, not much memory of the past few years, never mind 20 years, they're 30, 40, 50. It's very easy to manipulate memories or eradicate them, in fact. It really is, it's gaslighting, isn't it? You see, I don't remember that happening, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But maybe I'm wrong if all those experts are right. Hmm. Very easy to do, isn't it? Doubt your own sanity. And I've noticed it too. I even, <laughs> I even said when 9-11 happened, uh, I think it was the night of 9-11, I said, the, on a big agenda, on a radio show, and I says, I said, the hardest thing you're going to, you're going to find, you have to do. Because I knew the whole agenda was going to get unleashed with 9-11. It wasn't just going to be an anti-terrorist thing. It was a complete new way of living again. No, no freedoms, no, no real freedoms, and no privacy, and, and total surveillance of everybody. And, and sure enough, uh, you know, folk, before you knew it, they're walking. And they're, there's, a, there's, there's the stupid people. That's how they see us. Only. We're all stupid people complying, going through... Uh, uh, metal detectors at airports, no belts, so holding up their pants with one hand and holding their shoes in the other, their bare feet and the whole thing. What a farce. Eh? What a farce. But the answer to that one was very similar as when you come with it with, with this one for COVID. Well, you do know you can get a, a quick passport, a quick pass-through passport, or a pre-clearance, but you, it's a biometric thing. They showed us this in the late 90s on Wendy Mesley's show. In Canada, and uh, how it would be done, and we say, well, why do we need all this? Well, bingo! But two, two, three years later, nine eleven happens, and there you are, holding up your pants and and being shouted at by people, you know, and and they're watching you naked <laughs> through X-ray machines, <laughs> the whole thing, and to humiliate you and make you feel small and stupid. But yeah, you could get that quick pre-clearance thing, biometric, you know. And that's all you had to do. They'd already shown us two, two years prior to that, or three years prior to it, on Mesley's show. And um, and there you go again. And here it is this time, oh, the same thing. You get a special passport, and then you can get out of your house. All you have to do is become a pincushion for experimental drugs and vaccinations and things owned by private corporations that are given blanket immunity for any side effects, including death. That's all. That's all you have to do, you know. Same techniques, terror, 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 eh? And, and again, I've already, I've already done the talks. Remember going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website because I've already done the talks. Uh, to, to do with, with this whole agenda and your passport and all the rest of it and where it's supposed to go and how they're going to implement it from their own sites, how they're going to make you accept it and, and, and even persuade you into it, you see, through behavioristic techniques. The folk don't know, even know what's happening to them. They really don't. They honestly don't. <sighs> It's organized crime beyond ethnic demand. That's what real governments are, they're organized crime. You can't get much more organized than that. And all these, these supposedly um, quasi-official agencies, that they're not, they're not, you don't vote for them. They, they graft themselves onto governments as advisors. We don't, you don't vote for these organizations like the WHO and, uh, or the FDA in the States. Drug. And I've, I used to do talks on that too. 
where the FDA and from articles, uh, people who had, there's awfully good people out there who really study this kind of stuff and they put books out and, and they put out good articles. But and they showed you the revolving door of people in the in the big uh, corporations and for food, for instance, and the drug agencies and the drug the drug companies, and the, and CEOs and people just below CEOs would would leave occasionally and go into the FDA long enough to get bills put through and forwarded and they'd, they'd give their opinions and pass things as okay and accept and they go right back into the drug companies that they came from. This is standard stuff, Bernays style. Bernays talked about this. You know. you, first you set up the agencies. You can even do with, I've mentioned before, with a, a little office, a little dump, even a closet would do if you can get a phone into it and... Uh, and get someone to sit there and give them a little pay check and answer phones and get four, four doctors or whoever or professors to put their name on your. You know, yeah, we we were part of the board for this company. And it sounds awfully official. Then. So, and it's scribbled up. They have their it's on the stamp of the letter. They have their, their names, and it sounds awfully official. Standard. Bernice said he actually helped companies do this kind of thing. And so to get back to. Nine eleven, and that night uh, when I mentioned it, I said, uh, "I already heard this. Oh, then it's going to be the same again." That was one of the first things before the dust cleared. After they mentioned it, it must have been uh, Bin Laden that did it. You see, Bin Laden, and and immediately uh, you know, things will never be the same again. There you go. These are little code phrases, you know, that's used. We're the same thing too uh, with this COVID thing, etc., uh, etc. Et never be the same again. And you've heard it too with some of the riots and demonstrations at the same time going on around the, around the, the world. Never be the same again. Hmm? This is the mantra. You've you got to accept this because they mean it. This is to get you to accept the fact of massive changes which are coming. And some of them you already see, you can get the whiffs of it already. But after 9 11, I said the uh, same thing. I said, um, the hardest thing. From now on, we'll be to keep hold of your, your sanity. Your sanity will be the hardest thing to keep a hold of. Because it, was a whole, it wasn't just 9 it was a whole agenda. Right down to, to even watching the border change in the States and Canada. I used to watch the uh, long, long lines of working class people coming up for holidays. And they'd, they'd often haul little trailers behind them and things like that. And that was how they'd had their, they could afford holidays and get into Canada. And um, you, sometimes you see it uh, like nothing but lines of them coming up the main highways at times. And with 9-11 and this massive hold-ups now at border, unless you're, you're coming in you shouldn't be in the country at all, uh, you're going to be held up. And, um, and it turned folks off naturally. All the hassles, hassle upon hassle upon hassle. Then the same hassle going back down to the... That was what a shame, you know. Because uh, these were just ordinary people, ordinary working people that uh, couldn't afford to jet all over the place and and had their little trailers. And it was darn good. It was good business too for Canada and, and, and campsites and places that, that enjoyed having them up. So, but what a shame. It really destroyed so much. And then again, oh, terrorism everywhere. Meanwhile, the mass migration we've seen since then that, that came across Europe right through to, to, to Britain mainly. That's where they were wanting to go with all the, the, the better perks and so on. Uh, 
and so many of them now are, are used like an, an army. As we well know, this is a fact. We, many of us knew at the time this would be used for, and bingo, here you go. You're seeing it right now. This is all planned. You're, you're looking at war strategies. And these are very effective war strategies, in fact, because the, you don't have any guard against it when it's happening. You're told not to think of it as to what you see. Think it as, of, of it as the way you're told to by those who have, have control of your nations. <laughs> no, they're just poor people looking for places and so on. And even with the, the wars across the Middle East, these, inter- these eternal wars, we, we forget before 9-11 happened, we already had uh, a pretty well a 10 years war from about 1990 onwards. As soon as the Soviet Union supposedly collapsed, the, the U.S. Uh, was, um, was wanting a war and wanting to clean up some of its assets in the Middle East on behalf of others. <laughs> and uh, they wanted to get rid of uh, Saddam Hussein. We know that. And there's a long story between about Saddam Hussein and the fact he did talk to the American consulates a few times and complained about the fact that this area to the north of them in Iraq, Kuwait, was using horizontal drilling wells, rigs, I should say. They can go miles and miles and miles underneath a border and tap into reservoirs, and they're stealing it, you see. That was, in fact, put into different uh, scientific magazines. I think maybe, I don't know, it was popular science, something like that also. I remember reading it years ago. Uh, one of the science magazines anyway, and they, they showed you how these particular machines worked. And uh, But anyway, Saddam had mentioned that uh, he might have to try and do something about it. And, and he, he, he was getting, no, there's a show done about this, in fact, about someone up in the know, maybe from the State Department or ex-State Department member, who mentioned that. He said that uh, Saddam asked him, is it okay if I just go and straighten this out? And all, you know, so he did go up to his army, and of course all hell broke loose because immediately the media was ready to go into, into action. It was all planned that way. And uh, they made him out to be the worst guy on the, the earth, and he was stabbing babies and, and throwing them out of incubators and into the streets. And stuff. It was all lies, naturally. And that even kind of came into the, to a movie eventually that was made, or it was um, called Wag the Dog, and how to get the, the media off the back of a president, because the president was involved in, in uh, going after little girls, I think, at the time. That was the story. And so they, they conjured up a war, and um, a lot of what they had in the movie actually came to be in the first Gulf War. And the U.S. sent in massive machinery to take down <laughs> a nation that was unprepared for it. And Britain helped, of course, and they helped divvy up the oil fields then, too, in some of the areas in northern Iraq. And they had a no-fly zone over the rest of it. And uh, it was quite something indeed, how many oil fields the, the Allies set in fire, and you had black smoke for thousands of miles across the planet. <laughs> but there you go, big business, eh? But everyone forgets that now. So anyway, that war was going on in the fly, no-fly zone for 10 years with Bush Sr. being the boss. And then, of course, eventually Bush Jr. took over and uh, and continued it to, with 9-11 onwards up to the present day. Obama 
also uh, was congratulated by the, the group that had um, Bush Jr. in, the PNAC group. And uh, Rumsfeld congratulated Obama for continuing the same strategies and agendas uh, for, uh, against different, the, same, the same list of countries, adding to the list actually, at least uh, expanding the list. And I think Obama had eight wars going in different places at the same time. So there, he really did well, and he was approved and given a pat on the back. Understand that the elites can tell you who they want at the moment is, is the fronts for countries. And Obama complied awfully well with them because they had it in mind to bring in a socialistic system of control. It's more obedient. It's more efficient. Again, under socialism, you do what you're told. Remember, socialism is a form of communism. Communism is a step up. It's a bit more hurry to get to communism. But you always get there under socialism anyway. And that's what you're going through uh, even now. Socialism to communism. More efficient for your masters. But there's a 30 years war going on. 30 years, for goodness sake. And they still want Syria finished off. I can remember reading the papers at the time when uh, they got into into Iraq, the US, and uh, Bush was having meetings even with Israel. And Israel said to them, keep going all the way to Syria. And uh, they said, well, we can't. You know, we haven't found the weapons of mass destruction. This is the newspapers, you know, this is the general newspapers at the time. And he said, no, he says, uh, he says, uh, he said, we haven't found any weapons of mass destruction. And uh, they said, well, they, they, they've been moved over to Syria, so go all the way to Syria and get, get it. So the U.S. has been <laughs> busy at it for an awful long time, and it's exhausted. It's exhausted. I remember reading articles but many years ago on some of the top authors who helped plan a lot of the system that we're living in today. Because think tanks, big think tanks, authorized think tanks, run our lives, and they always have done, uh, in our memory, <laughs> and our grandparents' memory. That's how bad it is. Really, since the, day, since the 1800s, I'd say at least, these official think tanks. There are other groups before that, too, the concerts, used to call them. Now they call them groups. And you had the Concert of Europe. There was a kind of um, idea, a precursor to the League of Nations, even. And before that, there's other types as well. And after that, they came up with groups, just groups and the round table groups, and the groups of seven and eight, nine, ten, twenty, etc. And they also have um, councils, you know, meeting of councils. And sometimes they give the council just a number for what they, whoever it is they stand for. But we don't elect any of these people. That's what runs our lives financially, and uh, and they draft up. Laws, basically, and bills for governments to put forward by politicians, or two governments by politicians, they're then put into law. That's how the free trade agreements are always done. They're done by private outside groups, like the Council on Foreign Relations, that drafts them up, hands it to the governments involved, and tells them to sign it, which they happily do. And that's all for, on behalf of a huge, massive business, you know. But as I say, this today we're living through a system where it's to be more efficient. And you can't get efficiency and get things done uh, unless you really, really uh, get rid of this idea of democracy, which you can do in a wartime scenario. It's, it's much easier. Oh, it's, you're all going to die with this or you're going to die with that. You're going to die of something uh, and um, unless you comply and, and go along with us. You see, that's how you do it. 
And again, there's nothing new in this revelation. It shouldn't be a revelation because, you know, it's only our own stupidity that we tend to decide to forget things. Because you think about Carl Quigley and many before him. I mean, Carl Quigley wasn't the, the, the originator of many of these different things that came out of his mouth. Uh, there were ancient ideas. You know. But it's true, he said, you can get more done in, in five years of war. On a, like a, like on a, a social change system, right? With different techniques to, to be employed through war tech. But when folk comply with what you tell them. So you get more done in five years of war than 50 years of peace and persuasion and propaganda. And that's what you're going through now, naturally. And you've been going through it. It's no surprise to me, I've mentioned before, that the schools were, were raising uh, and creating a generation of revolutionaries. For, for na- and it's for now, you can see it now. <laughs> they hate people. They hate most, they even hate themselves, a lot of them. And all they can th- think of doing is tearing everything down and blaming everybody else for, for what they claim, what they th- had been taught to believe. It's a, f- a belief-based thing uh, that the whole planet is destroyed because of you or folk who existed before you. That's, that's the mantra of Greta. As, you know, it's all your fault and you're all shame. Blah, blah. But you're looking at really, if you, I hope you understand, you're looking at what you're looking at as the same, the same faces and the same expressions in a generation raised now. This is not protesting. These folk want to tear everything down. That's the same faces you saw in, in the old photographs and even even the early movie reel of revolutionaries in Russia and so on. They were going off to slaughter people across the country, the Soviet Union, and they did it with zeal, really believing they were doing it for the for the for the, for the good of all. Mass slaughter. And, and you understand, I think Peter Hitchens touched on this too. He said that, that, because he came out as a revolutionary when he came out of university, like many of his own at the time, a, a true Trotskyist Marxist, he ready to kill. And he said, he says, but what he's noticed with the present crop that are ultra-radicalized across the world, remember, at the same time, that's even more so, because they didn't have uniformity across the globe with the Bolsheviks. But they have it now, uh, on behalf of those who run the WEF, World Economic, World Economic Forum and so on. But he says that there's, there's no tolerance. They have no tolerance. They don't want debate. They, don't, they want you to get down on your knees and, 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 and swear allegiance to them and their causes. And even then, there's no guarantee they're going to allow you to, to save you, to spare you. They're, 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 they're radical that, that's a very, this is danger. You're looking at danger here, folks. Hmm? And, and it, it said the folks that he had in the 1960s and early 70s were, would debate and they'd argue, but they, these folks don't want to even debate. They want to eradicate you. That's what you're saying. And those at the top that, that gave them the, the current, uh, the last, uh, well, I guess, the, the educational system, and it's with perfect techniques with behaviorist groups and um, professionals in psychology uh, doing their courses for them, drafting out their, their courses and the toolkits for the teachers and so on, uh, they, can, they can churn them out like peas in a pod, ultra-radicalized to do nasty things when they're all given the right command. I hope you're understanding that. 
what you're seeing right now. This is not uh, something to take lightly and think it's going to blow over. You've been leading up to this for quite a few years. You've seen it with uh, London, especially England, especially, and parts of Europe when they when they it's easy to bus or even boat and even drive across the channel to across Europe with the same groups, massive groups that get together from all the countries. Uh, again, led by the paid radical leaders, very well paid and organized. Uh, for, for, and they'll have meetings for different things, including Extinction Rebellion. That wasn't spontaneous. Who didn't create all that and fund it all and get some moved from one country to the next for massive demonstrations? Hmm? And again, all, all chomping at the bit to get let loose upon the public. Then you put them together with Antifa and other radical Marxist groups, well-funded again, well-trained, well-organized. Uh, this is not going to blow over. It's not meant to blow over. And it would never have happened unless it was decided upon to happen and even to get created in the first place by those at the top at the World Economic Forum and the World Bank, etc., the ones who really run the world. Margaret Thatcher said it years ago, and it was interesting to me. I mean, I knew about the Lord Alfred Milner group. I've given lots of talks on all this history, and, and, and all the, also, too, the philosophers going way back beyond before even Plato came along with his idea of the Republic and special breeding of different classes and professions, even soldiers would breed with soldiers, women, men, men, men and women, etc., and different classes would for special functions, for special jobs, that kind of stuff. But all the way up, and, and I thought, you know, the Lord Alfred Milner group really ran. They, they were like the big, a big bureaucracy overseeing what was called the British Empire and adding to it. Uh, on behalf of people that a lot of folk don't even know their names. The ones who ruled it then in the city of London, the big, big financiers and so on, who also put their, 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 their sons off to, to be governors, generals, standing in for royalty, with the powers of royalty appointed over India and different places. Quite amazing. And all business came through their hands. You know, and from those countries. Incredibly lucrative for them, hmm? completely sewn up with the banking industry of the time. And they added to it, too, by causing wars in Quigley, who was all for their history uh, and the real version of history, why things happened, including who started the Boer War. And it was them, of course, the group that he belonged to. He, he was kind of proud of them, how they managed to buy subterfuge get a war started, blame the Boers for attacking British settlements in South Africa, and order, in order, right, to get British troops mandated over to protect them, and then Britain would, would take over on their behalf, and, and the, the corporations would own all the gold and diamonds that, that lived in the city of London. Eh? So you start a war and you blame the other guys that you've just attacked and you, and you change it. They even brought in a, a, a writer, a woman from the Times, I think it was, and she wrote a, a version in advance of the, of the, the Jameson raid and uh, said that oh, they, they, these, these terrible boars had attacked these British settlements rather than the fact that, that uh, Alfred Milner's group had actually set up a mercenary group to attack the boars. It was the other way around to get them to respond.
Nothing's changed. That same technique's used today, isn't it? So you get Saddam Hussein to retaliate because his oil's getting stolen, and PM is a real demon. And then you grab, eventually, you, you, you grab all his land, divvy up the oil for corporations. It just goes on and on the same technique, see? That's why I say, if you really have been radicalized, I hope I can only talk to occasional individuals. Most folk in a mob can't think for themselves, and they really do want to belong to the mob. They do. It's like a collective mentality that they have. It's this, this temporary camaraderie idea that they have. They're all in it together, you know. We belong. We have a cause. Otherwise, they have no causes at all. And, uh, and so this gives them a cause. And, they, and they've all been told this for the greater good and it's for the best, etc. As all tyrants do, too. Even the folk who do the slaughtering will say that to themselves, at least in the early days. And... As I say, they're chomping at the bit to get going against all the ones that have destroyed their world, and uh, and I'm sure they'll do it. They'll do it when they're told to by, say, the the Club of Rome, as an example, who, who are rejoicing at this whole COVID idea and the complete shutdown of all the stuff. The world, the World Economic Forum, folks. This is like all the top businesses on the planet. Do you understand that? These aren't little Trotskyists at the bottom. No, these, these are the folk who are the trillionaires and multi, multi, multi trillionaires you can't even comprehend. And when they're not there, their agents are there. But they, even the WEF isn't a little meeting place. It's like a massive country, in a sense, with, with thousands of bureaucrats and thousands, again, of training facilities to pick up future leaders from childhood. They train them from childhood to rule you. <laughs> Real technocracy, you see. It's all done already. And they're the richest people on the planet who own the wealth and resources of the planet. And they've decided that the communistic, Trotskyist ideas and socialistic ideas and forms of governance where you just obey what you do what you're told or else is the best way to get their agenda, this part of their agenda through. Yeah? It'll last maybe, maybe 80 years. And by that time, a lot of folk will have died off. The present radical generation will not have children anyway. The, one, the ones they're using right now, who are chomping at the bit to kill the older folk, <laughs> it won't matter about them either, because uh, they themselves will, will most of them won't have children, at least live ones. And uh, and so that's the end of them too. You, you, you've, every every group's used in turn for the ones at the top, and they never figure that out, never. But again, Maggie Thatcher, getting back to Lord Alfred Milner and so on, and I knew about the Royal Institute for International Affairs and its foreign branches. Now it's got a European group for the European politicians and uh, those in the commission at the top of the EU, the secret members that run it. <laughs> but then uh, one for the Far East as well. Well, uh, based in, in, in Japan, they've got members now in China, and they, they rule Australia and New Zealand. They divvy up the world, you see. That's what they do. They divvy it up. And they have their members running all of it at the top. Governments obey them. But Margaret Thatcher said the same thing. She said, you know, and now she was asked when she, when she retired. And she says, well, now, she says, I, I belong to a group. She says, it's very important because we can get things done. She says, I don't have to, I'm not responsible to the public anymore or to the voters. 
we know what problems are, and we, we also are a society of, of people who've held power of all kinds, as prime ministers, presidents, and top um, bureaucrats for divisions and, and, and generals and so on. And she says, uh, we all know each other, because they all worked with each other when they were in power, you see. We all met and all know each other, and we work together for a common, a common goal. And she said, uh, we can get things done without having to answer to the public. So we can get things done quickly and fast without any objections. Because most of the things they get, they get up to don't come to the public uh, table for debate. It's just done. So she was the same, you see. She did the same kind of thing. I knew they had the elders in different groups as well. And um, But yeah, th- these are the societies that really run how, uh, on, on behalf of those at the very, very top, how things are really, really done and worked and so on. Very old families at the top. Very, very old families. They generally don't mess up, you know. These aren't the ones in the paper you see where they're where after so many generations, the, the children become decadent and, and make mistakes and screw up or have a life, uh, a debauched life or something and hit the media. You, know, they, you don't hear these characters because they're so particular on their breeding and who they breed with and the education that their children are going to have. It's a completely different education altogether as to reality. And that's how things really are, folks, you know. So as I say, you have to hang on to your sanity as you go through all the other changes. The, the ones I've talked about before, I've talked to, as I say, way back from many years ago, are all coming into place now, in fact. Because uh, you're living through an agendas. Agendas don't have to be sudden. And it may appear that to the public at times, but no, they, they take years and years to apply. Same with revolutions. It took years to apply. The same with even the Extinction Rebellion. It took years to get to assemble them, get them trained and radicalized. And, and uh, the leaders in that is, the, the followers doesn't matter. The followers really, as I say, have no, they feel they have no purpose in life and, unless they're inside a group. And the group is, teaches them to hate everybody else that's come before them. It's an old communist technique, you see. Communism's awfully well understood by those at the top. And it's awfully good for to get their agendas through when it suits them, as I say. And now is the time for that, obviously. Now, before I prattle on any further, I sh- again, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. And I want you to see off the bat, um, I just posted a bunch, another bunch of books and discs. And I'll have one more, and hopefully the final one for a while, uh, to be posted off in the next two days. And that, hopefully that whole pile is gone. That's it. It's been accumulating for for a long time in the disc, etc. And I was out at a disc for a while too, you see. Because where I live, I can't order things in from Amazon. They won't deliver to my little place and to my little town. We are an organized township. Unorganized township is, uh, I don't know if anything happens in the roads or whatever. If I have no idea what the laws are, but they don't deliver here. I, I did have, I think, once or twice years ago... Um, FedEx came once or twice, but even they stopped that. And there used to be a little um, gas station at the, at the top of a stair there. They would accept parcels, but that's gone now. Everyone's gone under, you see. Everyone's gone under, but they would accept parcels. So once in a while you could get things years ago, a few years ago, they dropped off there, but not, there's nowhere anymore left that does that. So um, the UPS was the one of the worst ones. They 
UPS says, if you've got an address, we deliver, but no, they don't. So don't send ever send anything to me by UPS, whatever you do. And they, they hand it out to, to um, a courier company once they get to Sudbury, for instance, that definitely will not deliver out this way. And they wouldn't even tell me if something came in anyway. I've had that before where I had no idea that stuff had been sent to me by people, unless they sent me a, a, an email or something. And if they didn't send me an email, that this other courier company would, wouldn't even phone you or let you know or email you. There was a parcel come in in Sudbury somewhere. Sudbury members were 20 miles away. Yeah. So I can't just run to Sudbury. It's a 40-mile round trip, and uh, it's a lot of gas too. But anyway, uh, as I say, the last uh, lot of stuff that was waiting to get sent off is... Uh, that's two batches out, and the next batch goes out in the next two days. Now, hopefully, that'll be off. So, if anybody's waiting, don't worry. It should be there within about 10 days from, from postage. And we are going into a kind of lockdown. You can see it all. I, I, we knew that before, come February. I said the, the lock was down, they'll ease up in the summer a little bit, then tell you it's going to spike come the fall, and, uh, and lock us all down again. Because remember, they want you locked down for two or three years. They'd, Two or three years means permanent, folks. Over 40% of small businesses are gone forever now. <laughs> They're going to open up again. This is to bring in a whole new way of living. Nothing to do with virus. They've killed more folk off by what they've, what they've done about it <laughs> as opposed to the virus itself. Look at the elderly folk that's been slaughtered. They were sacrificed, folks. Sacrificed deliberately. To get the numbers up That's what I think Other folk are saying the same kind of things But that's really what it seems to be And you don't put in contaminated people In with uncontaminated people But they were doing Look at New York What happened there Mm-mm-mm. And we still don't know what this is really Because even folk with Have you noticed any, any, any statistics on the flu season? Has it suddenly disappeared? No Everybody's getting lumped in as COVID Everybody, and the ones who are dying off, if they've got any trace of debris of COVID, any, any debris particles in their nasal passages, when they're tested with the ridiculous swab tests, are pretty well useless, as we know. There's not, and there's, I'm not just making this up, there's stacks of information, official information about how inadequate these tests are. The test for, the actual test for particles, the RNA, or the DNA. Uh, they're like like from dead particles, just bits and pieces of them. You'll you'll test as positive, but they're also saying if you've got a runny nose from from a cold or a flu, you'll test positive as well. They say they're all members of the COVID family. Oh. but again, facts don't matter, right? Because this is a, a, a everything hangs on us complying with this whole thing. And the farce of testing and testing, when you look at where they've been, oh, so many thousands have been found, it's because you've now tested thousands for the first time in this area or that, and you're going to find folk all over the planet. Or that literally have no symptoms at all. They've got fragments, they'll test positive. But they're not ill. This is not, cases does not equate illness. You've got thousands of viruses going through your body all the time. From birth to death. You're oblivious to it till now. <laughs> because
because but that, everything hangs on this being brought off. You see, everything, a whole new way of life. You won't open up unless you're sustainable, yada, yada, or ne- what they mean by that is necessary. Do you understand that? That's what they mean by sustainability. It isn't just eco-sustainability. It's also necessary. Are you starting to get the picture? So going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. List all the other sites I have in case anything should happen to any one of them. <laughs> and you can get the, the talks. And other folk take my talks and put them up as well. And different other outlets. And I'm looking for other outlets as well. Because we're, we're in the middle of an incredible war. This, this is to change the li- life forever as we know it on the planet. Really. And it was planned long before. Like every revolution takes years to plan all this. Years ago. We've got stuff going back to 2010 from the Rockefeller Foundation talking about this kind of stuff. We'll put them all up. Facts, facts, facts. You know, if a pandemic was to happen, yada, yada. And then the future of technology has to take over, yada, yada, yada. They talk about the complete elimination of paper, as you know, too. Reint- the, the term now, and Bill Gates is reinventing education. Oh, he's got all this stuff where you're going to have people and children learning his curriculum. Isn't that amazing power across the planet? Online, you see, rather than school. Uh-huh. It's starting to ding, ding in the head here. Hmm. Amazing, eh? all comes together with the same little clique. The same little clique that's these self-appointed Nero's, you know. Huh? Did any of you vote for any of these? No, you didn't. You've been living under delusion. You lived in democracies. Hmm. So at cunningtruthmatrix.com, remember you can donate to me as well and help me tick along because I, like everybody else, I need it too. And you'd be surprised how many folk out there use the stuff because I document everything I talk about as as a resource, you see. And you'll find it from all the top ones, supposedly in the alternate media, because they use the stuff. Most of them will never tell you where they get it from, but that's just a state of affairs. Everything's pretty nasty today. Eh? There's no natural decency amongst most people today. As as why Why should folk listen to people who... Who won't be decent because they're spouting about the stuff um, that I'm talking about, for instance. But they're not decent themselves. Why, why would they expect you to be decent about what they're saying? Yeah? If they can't play the, play decent amongst other people too. This idea of morality has been destroyed as your culture has been destroyed for years. A war on the culture. You, 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 this is old stuff. The Soviets talked an awful lot about destruction of cultures. That's what Besmanov's talked about, too. Forget the James Bond stuff. Most of the real Cold War comprised of subterfuge, going in and, and creating different kinds of agencies inside countries. I remember I've got books here going way back on, on the creation of front groups for communism. Lots of Christian groups got involved. They didn't know either. They, were, they had no idea they were getting used for communist purposes. They call them communist front groups. Folk tend to get, get hung up on names, you see. I, I always say you're looking for diseases. You're looking for diseases in society. 
And what you do with any disease is you must look, first of all, signs and symptoms of disease. And then you, you put down what, you, what is noticeable, observable, and, and you can see some of the effects of the disease. And you list all of these things, you see. And you keep at it and at it and at it until you narrow it down. And then you'll come to the diagnosis. This is blah, blah, blah. You give it the name, the title of the disease. That's how it's done. Folk have no idea, but they get hung up on names. Oh, that's not communist. No, it's a blah, 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 you know. And it's generally a, a wonderful sounding thing. Name, eh? And uh, it's for the social good, you know. Bingo, bingo, bingo. That's how, that's how it's done. But Besmanov, Yuri Besmanov said that. He said uh, that's how, what most of the most of the agencies were about was subversion. You subvert cultures especially. And when he came to America in the 1970s, he went there first, I think, and then to Canada. And um, he said that he, he couldn't believe it. And the communists, the Soviets, couldn't believe it, how well their program of destroying the culture had worked. From destroying the family. This is the 1970s. With the excess uh, uh, use of, of uh, sex in all the movies and all the so on, sex, sex, sex. So, you, so you must create a a society of of promiscuity, excessive promiscuity, and, and which ensures that most folk won't number one get married and have children, and number two won't have children to pass on the culture too. That was part of the of the, uh, the um, Frankfurt School and other ones too. And Wilhelm Reich as well, who was also part of that group, by the way, <laughs> and a communist. So uh, that's what was done. So yeah, they were overjoyed at how far it had gone to destroy the culture in America. A, a, a belief system, doesn't matter what you think of it, a belief system gave you a moral, a moral code that, that you held in common. Commonality of a code of conduct was important. Once you've destroyed that, and oh, it's all relative now, and that, that term was brought in, right, deliberately by the communists. Oh, you're, every opinion is just as good as any other opinion. It's all relative. So there was no such thing as objective truth left anymore, you see. And before you know it, the, yeah, everything becomes subjective. And so that nothing's got any force of any kind to, to act upon, you see. And so, as I say, Besmanov said, they, they had no idea how successful their technique of deculturalization, destroying the culture of an opponent had been. Incredibly successful. And look at it today. Now you, you have many groups, the leaders of, of whom are trained in Marxism and uh, and organizing and radicalizing, radicalizing the followers into really any subversive act and, and overt violent acts too. And you're not worried about it because you, 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 you've fallen for, no, it's not, that's not the same thing as protest about somebody being, no, that wasn't to be somebody being killed. They were sitting waiting in the wings for it to happen. Now, Antifa says that they sit and wait for a spike they can jump on. And jump on it, they do, and they use different groups, uh, even victim groups, to, to jump on and ride them. You know, ride them like horses to the to the bitter end. That's what you're seeing. 
then you link that with Extinction Rebellion. I remember one of the big meetings, I've said before, one of the huge meetings that they had at, at the, uh, for the World Trade, Trade Organization. There were quite a few back in the late 90s and early 2000s on for a few years in different countries. There were a couple in Canada too. And I remember them showing you that cameras inside one of them, just for a little clip it was. It was something important, probably a clip for their own records. Somehow got on to television. But you saw some of these people at the top looking down, these crowds down below them, beating their drums and, and the standard protest thing for, for globalism. They didn't want globalism. That was what, at that time, students did not want globalism. Now they've been turned 180 degrees. Have you noticed? Did they notice? <laughs> Until they want no borders and massive <laughs> movements of everything <laughs> and people too. Have they actually noticed? It's, that's how slick you can use crowds, you see. Four legs good, two legs bad, until they're shouting two legs good, four legs bad. It's that simple. But in that little clip, they showed you one of, one of the politicians who was attending it, and he's looking, looking down there. What's wrong with them? What is it they want, you know? And don't forget how these guys are trained as CEOs, some of them as well. And they said, well, you know, how can we use this to our advantage? It's always, that's, they don't take anything head on, make an enemy of it. You use it. And so he went down and, and they picked, he said, we could bring some of the leaders up, these different groups, these NGOs, bring them up here. Well, they did that. And from then on, as I say, that's when it, when it was almost with the next year or two, there was, there was no more, no more protests against globalism and free trade. None. It just ended. No, suddenly they were all Extinction Rebellion types, you see, and, and um, all the other radical groups for, to, to stop the, the, the business from, you know, by having huge parades and stopping business and shutting down railway lines and yada yada and, and all the Club of Rome stuff, you see. Yeah. And, and that's what they did. They, they gave funding to the leaders and made them awfully rich and wealthy. Guaranteed incomes that they'd never get before, you know, bashing drums and, 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 and dreaming up occasional slogan, you know. And suddenly they were kind of important. And, uh, and that's what you've had since then on. That's how slick it was. And now they're, they're all working together, a big network of them. And they, they don't come out against globalism. No. And they, they literally... Um, they don't care the fact that the, the World Economic Forum, is, the, the richest folk are, are the ones in charge of everything uh, who decide what policies we're going to have, including bringing us down to utter austerity and rationing cards. That's what it's going to come to. That's what it's meant to come to. And a post-consumerist world as such, you see. So you can't just go out and consume stuff. You'll just have to take what you get for basic survival. And uh, I did these talks years ago from their own sources, eh? Including the brownouts and so on. It's quite, it's quite something. Life can get awfully boring when you've read all their stuff, eh? And and I'm one that actually has read their stuff, not just saying it, like other ones who adopt my stuff and say that. But uh, that that that's really what we're living through—a huge agenda. And it is boring because you know what's next and what's next and what, and that's when you know that they're, they're, when, they, when they settle on something, just like weapons of mass destruction, they'd rather obliterate a nation or a bunch of nations before they'll ever come out and say, well, we're wrong, or, or yeah, you were right all along, it was all bogus, the causes were bogus, like weapons of mass destruction. I can remember Colin Powell 
Uh, try, he was put forward to try to convince us to continue with, with Iraq, eh? Uh, and to finish it off and put it into the Stone Age. And and that was the agenda, you know. Kissinger admitted to that. He says that's what he would have preferred to do. So they can't ever get back together as an, a nation, a strong nation, uniform with the uniform government and so on. Once you've destroyed them in the Stone Age, and then you fund different factions to fight each, to fight each other forever, uh, they're never going to be a threat to anybody. And you can plunder them for resources. That's how it's done. It's kind of boring, isn't it? The, the whole the whole system is awfully boring because it's repetitive and rather obvious as well. But yeah, it's it's a sad thing that we have masters. Uh, we don't elect these masters. You're all subject to them. They know it too. And these masters have uh, sections of them that that play the far left. You know, they they, they play that game too. If you understand how how the United Nations is set up to work as a world socialist system on behalf of the elite folks, because don't forget the United Nations was set up from the League of Nations, which was set up by by it wasn't just Woodrow Wilson; it was a front man for it. It was it was the, 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 the Lord Alfred Milner group that wanted it, and through that they would run the world. Every facet of, of economics and finance and everything, you know, and trade but would, be, would eventually go through departments of that. And th- from, the, from the Lord Alfred Milner group, he, he ended up with the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private club, the same club. Sounds awfully official, but it's a private club. And out of that membership, they set up the World Bank. They set up the Bank for International Settlements. They set up the IMF and other departments too. Overseas economic development, etc. The taxpayers would all fund. This is this is what's that got to do with voting for politicians? Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. And you go back into the histories of education. Awfully important. You must get a uniform education. You keep the, most of the folk dumb and stupid, like Bertrand Russell said. That's the idea. If he talked about fish all the time. And Fischt said the same thing, that the object of education was to keep the general public dumb. They were given an education, uh, the general... And I gave talks that many years ago, too, going into the, the system, even leading up to John Dewey, but prior to John Dewey, the only reason the folk in Britain were given a basic education was for the industrial era, because they had to have folk who would read little notes left for them, and little instructions, and the factories and how to operate this and how to write down all what was needed and done and so on and follow instructions. And so they were given a basic, basic instruction in, in, in English language for a very simple stuff too. But they didn't, they even had meetings in Britain well, of the intelligentsia who were worried about this. They said, you know, if they start to get education and they read books, and even in philosophies or ancient history, they might start to connect things together and not be too happy with their lot in life. I mean, this is, this is all documented stuff. And they, they even said, well, what we can do is make sure that they, they, they keep them working for 16 hours a day. They'll be too tired then to do anything afterwards, even if we give them basic education. To, to, to read or communicate to each other, to get organized and, 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 get any, and fight for any kind of rights at all. I'm not kidding you, this is how it happened, eh? They had big meetings about this, they were worried, eh? 
So what they also came up with was the idea, okay, now that we've taught them basic, basic reading and writing, uh, let's churn out um, novels for them. Fiction, you see, fiction is a great way to to keep them happy and excited as though they're involved in an, a fantasy world. Get, get them in a fantasy world. So there's 16 hours a day of misery. It will be kind of bearable. They can daydream uh, on what they've read the night before, you see. And it turned out they call it penny books. And these little penny novels uh, were, were, were aimed at men and, and ones for women, you see. And the guys would have their, their wars and they'd be super soldiers in the war and get medals going out across the, uh, the world fighting for, for good causes and things like that, you see. And, um, but in reality, they were, they were stuck at a machine all day long and, and the cotton factories, it, the cotton killed a lot of folk, you know. It's same with wool. But cotton did the same thing to the lungs, eh? oh, terrible diseases it caused. And uh, but that was their escape. That's all you had. What else did you have? Nothing. You couldn't save up enough money uh, to get out on the pittance wages that were basically worked out scientifically again. <laughs> how much you needed to earn a male uh, and and a woman, say, who also working in a factory, uh, who might have because they wanted to have in their in their crop of offspring to work the factories. Eh? This, this is how science works. This is how this kind of stuff works. And the, uh, so for the next generation, they would make sure, well, they, they, again, they wanted to keep them poor or they wouldn't work in their factories. Why would you work in a factory for a pittance if you had a better education and you'd save up money and get out of the hellhole you were in into a healthier environment at the very least uh, and then work in a factory? So they, they literally kept them. How much does it take the average man and woman to... to, to uh, pay rent. So they had, they had these strange things, almost like fixture rents across the country, and especially the, 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 in the, the factory towns and cities. And that, that system literally had, had, had uh, echoes of it right up into the 20th century. Where if you saw a person who was going into an apprenticeship, because in those days you, most folk didn't get in universities, and, and But if you entered an apprenticeship for a trade, that was a big deal, right? Big deal. And lots of folk would compete for the few jobs or few, few entries into, into apprenticeships. And these apprenticeships, too, treated their workers like slaves, like pittance wages. It was taken for granted up for the fifth year of apprenticeships into the 20th century, like halfway through, that the parents would, would still be supporting an apprentice because they were given just enough money often to get to their work that's, that's what they darn <laughs> under bus parents. I'm not kidding you. So, yeah, it, it worked out that way. So man and wife, right, in the 1800s uh, and, and late 1700s and the early 1800s onwards, how much would they need just to keep them in base, basic subsistence enough for the food and so on? And then they worked out. And literally, again, in the 20th century, Britain was using that same technique in war. From World War One into Great Depression into, into World War Two, straight bang, 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 and they had wages uh, free, freezes and price freezes they call them too, and, and so you couldn't earn more money than, than and, and and up and bet yourself again, and you'd have to work more and more hours for the same amount, yada yada, 
uh, this is all uh, 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 basically came back came out, came out of the the industrial revolution and how they treated whole families thousands and thousands maybe millions of people kept on pure subsistence wages 16 hours a day could not get out of it and folk didn't live that long they'd, they'd often die <laughs> like 20 crammed in a room in, in these these awful awful cities that were set up for them that's the truth of it if you get all this white privilege stuff this, this is the horror that folk live through and you have to read the stories of of uh, some of the doctors that wrote about the diseases that swept through these cities with open sewers and things eh? Frozen, you know, freezing in the winter no heat, nothing a horror show, I've often said that history really is a horror show you know? And these things, are, they try to eradicate that from education very quickly because they don't want the, the present crop to realize, you know, how bad it was for these people. And, and, and unless your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents could pass it on what it was really like or you asked them the pertinent questions, a lot of folk don't want to go think back to these things. It's such a horror thing for them too. But I did. I was one of these inquisitive ones and I... I, I asked the older folk, um, that they're you know, much older, <laughs> about it because I realized then they'd be gone too. And with them goes, goes whole chunks of, of real personal history of what they saw and witnessed, etc. That's all you can even verify, you see. Like 9-11, I said that 9-11 too, I says eventually, when it happened, I says, you know, eventually you'll get books coming out that authorized versions that completely contradict what we've all, we've all experienced. <laughs> and that's as true as I was done. So the point I'm making here, right, is that whatever is happening took years to plan and prepare, even to get the very rough parts of everything worked out. It took years to put the basic stuff. We'll need departments for this and departments for that to deal with. Then subsections dealing with blah, 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 and all these special departments. All prepared before the things happen, like a big battle plan. It takes years to do so. And think tanks go over the main problems. Well, if this were, were ever to happen, God forbid, hey, how would we do this and how would we do that? And if we did this, what would the effects of that be? How would that ripple through society? Yada, yada, yada. It's all managed this way. And we're managed now by behavioral experts. have been for an awful long time. Who really have, they loathe us. They, have, they despise us. I mentioned this before many times, how we're treated by the elite including the intelligentsia, I believe, the ones who think they're, they're really part of the intelligentsia, who despise us simply because they're still in pretty well cloaked in secrecy. We're special. We're cloaked in secrecy. We manage your minds, and you don't know it. And, and the more you, they manage your minds and it works on you, the more they despise you. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I've said it before. How the elite treat us is they disable you just like Fichte and also like Lord Bertrand Russell, who thought the same thing too. He always used uh, the former, his idea on education. You know, the idea of education is to make them stay stupid or to make them even stupid if they weren't before. And it's true. On behalf of, that's how the elite have always seen it. The trouble is if you start becoming, if you break out of it, and you start to understand what's happening, you become a threat to them, obviously. He, he went through that in his books. But anyway, I, I always say, is what they do to you, they cripple you at birth, really. 
And forget all the toxic stuff that they pump into you off the bat, which will give you a, a lowered immune system right away. People often, often say, you know, we've all got allergies now and we've all got compromised immune systems to some extent or another. That's official stuff from scientific papers. They tell you that we've all got it now. Well, all us lot. I don't be that very, very ultra to the top. But anyway, what, what, what could have caused it? Well, all you have to do again is to say, oh, it started around the 1960s onwards. What happened then that didn't happen before? Was it the food? Well, it's possible the chemicals. Was it anything? Well, what else? Big health services doing what to you? Mm, okay. And and more, I want you to avoid the name, and more and more of the what's they've done to you, uh, to the present bunch today, are just, you know, uh, <laughs> they're riddled with this stuff um, that's been done to them. Think about it. I mean, what is it supposed to? It's supposed to alter your immune system. It affects your immune system, eh? That's not the purpose. Well, I wonder, I wonder what's lowered our, all our immune systems until some immune systems are just on hyper alert all the time and overreact to everything. That's what happened to me, you see, after I got a whole bunch of boosters back in the 90s. A real cytokine storm, indeed. A vaccine-related injury. There was no doubt about it. Cause and effects. Two weeks later, boom, you know, massive arthritis, rheumatoid too, arthritis, woof, head to toe. All your, your, your joints and your hands just popped, boof, fever the whole lot. Yeah. And, and the classic signs, other things too, you know, popped your stomach, it popped everything. That was never healed either, really, not properly. Anyway, that's what you get from it. So, yeah, there are certain... Again, what's a simple detective? What, what's happened? What's the signs and symptoms of the problem? <laughs> what happened before it all happened to you? Well, okay, the diagnosis falls in. Well, bingo, there's your answer, folks. It's a sh- it's, it was, a, was it Occam's Razor, they call it. Occam's Razor. Ockham's razor goes right to the street, to this point to that point. The shortest route is probably the, the, the plausible explanation and the valid one. That's a fact. That's just how it is. So we're living through a big agenda, rather nasty. Took years to plan. We've had the culprits, some of the culprits out vocally speaking about it, like Bill Gates, and he's definitely a culprit. This man I would not trust. I wouldn't even say with my life, there's no darn way, but I wouldn't trust him in any other circumstance either. This guy's a creepy guy who who is, is um, he's not qualified in virology, bacteriology, uh, or any of the sciences to do either. He's not qualified with, with vaccines either. And But what he does, he is, he's a qualified eugenicist. He really believes in this better types and inferior types and too many of you, as he said himself, huh? as he took over his and filled his father's shoes. Creepy, creepy beyond belief. And he funds the WHO, massive funding to them. And he funds huge sums into the, the group too that, that uh, is under Fauci and other ones as well. I mean, come on here. Huh? Isn't this a bit of a small world or something? Is it the WEF, World Economic Forum? Huh? And 
they're mandating what we all have to, and your governments are all complying because so many of the heads, uh, the medical heads in the different countries are even on the board, like Canada's one is on the board of the WHO at the same time. No conflict of interest there, eh? <laughs> who are they serving? <laughs> Literally, who are they serving? Uh, so honestly, uh, you know, the, this 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 is a very um, obvious, obviously uh, contrived system set up for this particular time we're living through the moment. A huge agenda. The Club of Rome saying, "Oh, we'll, we'll, accomplish, we'll accomplish the whole sustainability program uh, because of this COVID idea," and that's not speculation. You know, I put the, public, uh, the articles they published out for those that wanted to read it. Before giving joyful, gleeful responses to this and praise to the COVID, and uh, they're going to go the whole way with this. This is the complete reset, as I said, at the WEF and the World Bank and all the rest of them. The, the great reset it isn't reset just for money, which is, and for economies, which is, it's a complete reset of and a whole new value system of your life and your conditions of life as you go down into utter austerity depending on who you are. So before I go on to the actual talk, because I haven't even started to talk yet, isn't it amazing? Getting back to how they, they loathe you. They really loathe you. And uh, they, they treat you like cattle. And what they do from birth, they cripple you. Your parents help because they've been crippled themselves. And those who are crippled pass on their indoctrination of reality, what they're told it is, to the child. Why do we have to do this? Because because it's the way it is. Well, so when I grow up and pay taxes, why is that? Because it's just the way it is. Even though before, their, their grandparents didn't have to because they, had, they didn't have temporary war tax then, which became permanent income tax, etc., etc. But anyway, they, they cripple you that way. And they use the parents to, to indoctrinate you. They, they, that takes, the school takes it over to make sure you'll never think for yourself again, you see. You only adopt opinions put by experts and professionals. And it's like getting a cow breaking its legs one at a time. And the poor animal's suffering and whole bit. And then it can't get up. And then it, they kick you because you can't get up. And, and then now they really despise you. This is how sadists work, you see. They really despise you. Psychopaths do the same thing. The studies on psychopaths, even in military organizations and attorneys, they, you find, if you, you imagine them all on steps going up to a king at the top, or, or the head, head character at the top, and a, a psychopath will, will praise and lick the boots of the person on, on the step above them. But the person below, below them is the abuse like crazy with, with the, and hatred almost, and loathing. All the way down the steps to each one gets loathed and loathed and loathed by the one above them. And that's how psychopathy works. They praise the person who's got more power than them because that really impresses them and they want it. But they despise those beneath them that they cannot use anymore. They can't use them to climb over. They're already over them. And so they despise them. It's the same system today. They, we're crippled by so many different ways. And then you... you that you despise you all the more. I've given the analogy to, of the movie Viva Vendetta, where, in, interestingly, uh, as I mentioned before, look at the plot of it. 
and uh, really a bunch of elites take over, radical elites take over uh, a system by, I think, releasing uh, a plague initially and then claiming it was a terrorist group that did it. They put themselves in power and then they arrest everyone who's an enemy of them who wouldn't stand for it, which always happens anyway. And it all happened with this one too, by the way. They'll arrest you if you don't go along with it, and they eliminate you. You just disappear. The Soviets did it in Siberia as well, all through this, you know, all through his reign. But in Viva Vendetta, uh, they, uh, they they had different people who enabled this all this to happen as they were coming to power after taking over, and uh, they took prisoners all the time and used them as, as test guinea pigs by injecting them with different things. And one of the doctors, there, a woman was in charge of it. She says initially she felt kind of sorry for them because they'd get shuffled in every other day for their testing. And and uh, she says, but I began to, she says, but they, they would, were so obedient and would never fight back on anything because their, their spirit was broken, you see. So you, it's like breaking the legs on the cows. You break it. So you break the spirit. And he and his folk was shuffling these prisoners to get tested, prodded, and, and bits taken out of them or goodness knows what. And she said, uh, and they never looked you in the face, they always looked down to the floor, total submission. And she began to despise them, and, and despise their complacency and how they, and their obedience. She'd hate their slavishness that, that they showed to, to, to obedience, and, and she had less qualms and used them and like, like guinea pigs. In fact, she hated them. And that's what happens when you comply. The, the ruthless psychopaths who are over you will utterly hate you. And that's why it's easier for them to start to slaughter. I really mean that. I really mean that. And getting back to Peter Hitchens' idea, the, the, the Trotskyists of his era at least would, would argue they wanted debate and so on. Uh, the groups today don't want any debate at all. They, they, just, they just demand that you, you, you follow what they, their dictates and, the dictates, and that's it. You do what you're told and obey and parrot what they tell you. You, you, there's no, you have no say in any alter, alternate uh, uh, reasoning, none at all. They're completely intolerant. I've said it before, too, this would come. I used to say that liberalism is, a, is one of the covers that they used, of course, for communism in, in the West, according to Khrushchev, the ex, one of the ex, uh, heads of the Soviet Union. He said in the West we call them, we call them liberals. And... Uh, and liberalism is the most intolerant system of all. It has no tolerance, if you notice. It's been getting worse and worse for years. And, and now that's quite out in the open. They, they want to eliminate anybody who doesn't go along and part the same things that they part. They want to literally... This is not a debate thing. This is beyond politics. It's gone way beyond politics now. And you look at the states. The whole world's looking at the states and saying, my God, look at what's happened here. Whew. That's why China's making moves and, and uh, testing its muscles a bit. Other countries will do the same because nature abhors a vacuum, as they say, as, as really powerful groups become weakened. And when you're being taken down at home, it's just like Rome, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, that all these armies outside Rome, when they got invaded, there was nobody that left to stop them. They were all out in foreign countries. Didn't even believe it was happening. I thought they, they were impregnable. As Alaric and the rest, the, the, the swarms of these different groups came one after the other through Rome. 
that they're all watching the states right now, and everything is so beyond, even the statements from scientists to do with this COVID are utterly steeped in, in politics, nothing to do with reality and facts, it's all politics. Amazing, isn't it? And you're living through, and you're watching this. And don't forget, too, that the U.S. did take over uh, as the policeman of the world. As, as this is the term they like to use, even though it's not. It's the plunderer of the world on behalf of the elite. <laughs> the same as Britain was, too. The, the, the people in Britain had a worse time of it because they got nothing out of it, really. They just supplied the, the poor folk to fill uniforms that were easily disposable across the planet for the elite to reap in the harvest, of course, of cash. So it's, it's an amazing times we're living through. Again, big agenda, well documented, and you're watching all the classical uh, sides all drawn up with indoctrinated groups that are all willing to eliminate borders and, all, and it, it, a whole generation raised for this purpose through schooling. Through children's books, there were, the political correct inserts were, were put into children's books for children at the age of five onwards, even four, to be read at the bedside by their parents. And it's all worked. Then school took over, utterly, utterly radicalized them to hate the older group. Remember, to the battle cry during the, the 1960s with the communists in New York at the time, uh, some of whom are still alive today, and who pretend that they're now, maybe some of them even pretend they're Republican. They said, don't trust anybody over the age of 30. That was a mantra, a slogan. Well, now it's even younger, eh? <laughs> and they've done it across the world uniformly, eh? Uniformly. Same, same school teachers, toolboxes trained across the world. That's what UNESCO was for, remember? That's what it was set up for, creating a universal culture through universal education, which is really just social engineering indoctrination, you see. Very successful. And it, for, to me, as a, a person who stands outside things and looks at it, it's, it's interesting to see how they've done it all. You know? And there's no point getting all emotional about it, because uh, most folk now cannot reason. They're, all, they're so emotional. It's, it works awfully well, including the ones who, are going, who, might, who might be set loose in the public to do really more drastic things. What, what you've got at the moment is a warning what's coming. And uh, eventually it'll get a lot more worse than this as they set them loose on the public. And uh, it's quite fascinating, though, to, to live through it and actually see it happening and to, to watch the things that you read about in books, the chanting mobs utterly radicalized, who can't really verbalize anything beyond the slogans that they're chanting, except that they hate you. If you ask them why they hate you, they can get into trouble trying to figure out why. It's just because you're there, really, you know. They'll hate you. And that's a very dangerous situation. And it's all been fostered by the authorities, by your own tax money, training them through education, etc. And... Uh, and of course the social media, that they're all getting the same stuff from internet and different sites, etc. It's quite amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? To watch it happening. But never forget uh, that uh, the talks I've given for years about this to do with uh, the mind itself. And, and the articles I'd read on the air about those who manage them, our minds from birth onwards. 
and giving you, and how you how they even bring you to opinions which you you will think that they're your own. You'll all get it the same. If you all watch the certain programs at the same time that are really touted that you almost must see, you must go and watch this. You'll all come away with the same ideas. You see, doesn't matter if it's false. It doesn't make any difference. You, to you, it's all real. It's quite something, you know. And. If, if you've been brought up, if you, if you have raised a, if you, a generation, if you've raised them to be utter, beyond radical, this isn't just radical, these folk are literally chomping in the bit to get unleashed upon the public for a massive purge. That's what it is, and you know that. You, you all know that. And, uh, and they're ready for it. They're pretty well ready for it. There's, no, there's going to be no arguing with them or debating or talking to them. When they get unleashed, you're an enemy. You're a, not just an enemy, you're a thing, an enemy and a thing, not a person that will have to be disposed of. And, and whenever you give any particular group amongst humanity a special status and give them a free hand to go at it, well, you would understand now your governments are an enemy of the people. Your, your governments permit this. They, they themselves are an enemy of the people. They're complicit in the horror that they're bringing on. Don't forget that. There's never been a time where this has been pretty well advocated by your own governments, all of what's happening today. There hasn't been. Even last year, and the year before, we had the Extinction Rebellion going through London week after week, you know, stopping traffic, business, businesses, big trucks, stop, stopping trains. Disrupting everyone's lives and being allowed to get away with it Day after day after day for like for weeks and weeks and, and businesses getting hit with it, etc Well, what gave them special status over everybody else? Somebody authorized it You're starting to get the, there's a penny dropping here <laughs> It's because whatever you, you, you thought your government was is, is nothing to what you actually thought it was <laughs> Nothing, it's completely different and the system of civil service has always been the system of power. That's where you put them in. They're there for life, regardless of the party that's around them. And they're all trained to, towards their, their lifelong goals to accomplish for their masters. Not the politicians, but the real masters. You know that. That's how it really works. So let's look at this, for instance. I mentioned this article before. It's so important because it gives you a little clue down through time, you see, from 2013, this one is, and it says, ecologists urge government to move beyond existent levels of public permission. Okay? It says governments can and even should move beyond existent levels of public permission in order to shift norms. That's normal, normals, right? Norms. Allowing public sentiment to later catch up with the regulation. So, this is from 2013. This came out eventually in an edition of Bioscience. But what's awfully important is that, listen to the wording again, right? You've got to think, start think using that, that loaf you've got there, your head, your brain. And it says, governments can and even should move beyond existent levels of public permission in order to shift norms allowing public sentiment, sentiment, okay, to later catch up with the regulation. 
So it's to do with laws and rules they're going to put out, you see. Now, you would need certain things to happen and to, to give an excuse to put the rules out. This doesn't have to be a real event. This is a made-up one that could appear real. That's an example. Because you've got to give an idea to the public so that they will. Go, oh, well, we better go along with that, you see. And uh, so there's no debate about it at all. And so in a peer-reviewed paper put out by the American Institute of Biological Sciences, titled Social Norms and Global Environmental Challenges, it says uh, a group of scientists call on government and scientists to start with a planned social engineering of norms and values in regards to the environmental policies. Now, remember, up until now, uh, the whole idea was to use the climate idea as an emergency to take your rights away, bring you into a post-consumerist society, into a, a, a rationed society. Uh, when you when you be, when you you live the way they're going to tell you to live in a reduced standard of living for most folk, not for the, the ones at the top naturally, but for all the rest of you. So you, you need something. Else. So the whole climate idea, when they came out of the Club of Rome, they were tasked with finding a reason to make it happen, and they came up with that idea. Then uh, everything hinges on it. They, they can't back down. It's like, as I said before, Colin Powell. Uh, Go, literally red-faced. He, he did. He actually changed. You see his face changing when he was called out on it at the time, trying to convince the public that that fuzzy picture was actually some some missile launching mechanism in Iraq, and it wasn't. Even though, and it came out during that interview that Britain had admitted that they'd sold <laughs> a transport trailer with the, for, for the, the weather balloon systems for Iraq. That's what that was. They said that's what that was. And here's Colin Powell trying to tell you it was a rocket rig, a missile rig. And uh, he flustered in the hole, but he still stuck to it. Oh, well, you know, so not, everybody was laughing at him. And that's how they are. When they've sworn to something, they will not back off. They can't back off. They'll get kicked out of the club. Uh, and they have sworn, they have sworn to go along with the biggest lies you can possibly imagine. And that's just the same here today with all of this stuff, by the way. So the idea, of, to get the whole climate idea, was already taught through the schools, right? But it says that the idea of these new norms must work their way into existing norms to finally environmental policies, so that so the environmental policies will be accepted without reserve, right? You're all going to die, oh, you're going to fry, no, you're going to freeze, oh, you're going to fry, you're going to freeze. You're going to drown. It depends what the weather's going to be. for. But regardless of what they picked for that time, you all better go along with it because you're all going to die. You, no matter what it is, you're either going to die of that or you're going to die of a disease or you're going to die of But you're going to die, you see? That's the, 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 the main thing about taking folks' rights away down through time is if you don't do what we say, you're all going to die. Hmm? Standard stuff. Standard. Some of the founding fathers in America said pretty well the same stuff. All, the, all your rights are taken away with the guise of, of good intentions for, for necessity, you see. And they've got these bioethicists working with them to do with managing society. You've got experts getting churned out of university and courses and they and really do it's just basically social engineering how to con the public the same kind of techniques that, that uh, Bernays talked about when he talked about uh, the decisions and your behaviour is managed by an invisible government the ones that, that, that understand how your mind works 
And they can convince you to go and buy things and do things and behave in certain ways, but without you even realizing uh, that, that, that you're not making your own decisions eventually. It's, it's being put into your mind. Hmm? Quite some, eh? Banks and banks of these characters. I mentioned it before, too, with a group that worked with the Sage Group for COVID. Eh? And, how, and, I, and I put the articles out to, from them where they, they actually have gave advice to all the newspapers to comply and go along with this, right down to terrorizing the public, to jacking up, intensifying fear, to make folk comply. Now, again, are we all adults here? When, when you do something, if, if they just said, to, to, as children, we're going to terrorize the children, wouldn't you be, should, well, I don't know in this day and age, I don't think folk care, folk care anymore. To be honest, we're so far gone, but... If, if, if they were terrified of children, I think there'd be some complaints about it. And, and just just for a, 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 a mem- from a memory of decency towards children right, that, we, that we used to have right, when we cared, you know, um, we'd have to do something e- even for the memory's sake of, of decency, as opposed to regardless, we say. But here, it's not it's to all the adults as well. Who, who's standing up and rioting on the streets about that? Nobody. They don't give a damn about the people who've been dying in the old folks' homes or anything with this. Neither do they give a damn when they're out there screaming about this in the whole built-in streets about the spreading any virus, even if they think... And they're wearing masks, some of them. And some of them aren't wearing masks, but they're shoulder to shoulder. They don't care. Are you, to, are you going to comply with folk who don't care about everybody else? <laughs> really? Aye, aye, aye. But yeah, so American Institute of Biological Sciences. There you go. Biological Sciences. It's all to do with bioethics, too. And the Rockefellers are really up there. I've, I've given out the articles before from the Rockefeller Foundation, from their bioethics societies, working with their legal systems for laws. All the new, like, buckets, buckets fulls of, bucket fulls of laws are going to just dump on us all. All from these unelected people. Well, we've got degrees in, in, in managing all of you, scum. <laughs> Obey. Right? This is an old article, 2013. This has been happening for years, this kind of stuff. Right? So you get their agenda through on behalf of the usual group, the WEF, the same bunch at the top. Uh, as I say, look at the World Economic Forum. It used to be, why, why were all the top energy companies and oil companies the first ones to jump on board with sustainability? Oh, here they are. There you go. Yeah. The WEF, eh? Now, here's the thing about COVID. I mean, I, I, Canada, unfortunately, is, or used to be a few steps ahead of most countries. And we can call it socialism if you want. Again, don't get hung up on names. Signs and symptoms tell you all you need to know. <laughs> I noticed Bob Ray, by the way, was just a, he was the next premier of Ontario years ago who had quite the, the going-away expose in the papers, and proud to tell you more about himself than ever before. But, uh, again, left a massive debt in Ontario, but that's what they always do, and changed a lot of things as well. He was doing the same things as Justin Trudeau, you see, years before, back in the 90s he was, of, on hiring, you know, so, so abilities didn't really matter so much, and so on, yada, yada, yada. And he went quiet for a while. I think he was a teacher at some... University probably was put on the board and he'd get a full time salary for maybe showing up once in a while. 
But he's just been appointed for Canada as uh, ambassador to the United Nations. Very timely, isn't it? And uh, so again, a complete uh, socialist type. His dad was actually a communist uh, revolutionary that came over. Uh, I won't go into the whole history of it, but yeah, this is quite interesting when you go into his background. But anyway, uh, so Canada really is, is, is so, such a socialistic, uh, almost communistic country, and, it, and it's well on the way to, to total, total, it's beyond total socialism, actually. Doesn't, they don't question much. People in Canada don't question the system much at all. Anyway, it says, COVID deaths in Canada, a questionable statistic before Canadians surrender any more of their freedoms to COVID-19 propaganda. Can we stop and ask some critical questions? And uh, this goes on about COVID being unquestionably much worse than a bad flu season, says Dr. Alison McGeer, infection disease specialist, Toronto's Mount Sinai Hospital. It's a long article, actually, and it's it's kind of I call it scattered in the way sometimes the, the way things are put across. But this is McGear cites government statistics as of June 17, showing COVID mortality rate of 22 deaths per 100,000 Canadians. Hmm? And again, all these deaths are, are so meaningless when they're taking all kinds of deaths uh, with, with presumed. And even the, the FE positive tests are doing with especially the swabs. In other words, you'd be dying of any kind of disease, but they find a trace of that in you at the same time, even though it's not killing you, that something else is killing you, you're put down as COVID. We all know this scam. It's just, um, it's never been done in history like this. This is astonishing. You live through it with all the verification from so many studies. Huh? Again, facts don't matter. Anyway, it says the comparison, the death rate from influenza in Canada on an annual basis is usually between 9 and 13 deaths per 100,000 people. Does this one statistic really make COVID unquestionably worse than the flu? So that's the point of this person's article. Uh, what they're telling you as opposed to what, what it really means. And they go on to um, graph charts and list, slice up the data in so many ways. Uh, by cases in province, date of onset, number of deaths, male, female, old versus young, etc. But they don't talk about the infection to fatality rate. That's the percent of people who acquire COVID-19 and end up having that inevitable out-of-body experience we call death. So in other words, yeah. See, cases are totally different from infected people, like disease-infected people. If they have no signs and symptoms of a disease, they're not diseased. Hmm? They're not ill. And we, we, whenever you get herd immunity, you get it by the same, the things, this same, I mentioned before, most folk had polio uh, virus going through their systems in the 1950s when it when supposedly it was going out at the time and, and, and didn't know they'd had it. They didn't know. But they did find are, are, are certain categories of people, again, even people who, who got injured, with, but like knocking, I knew a guy who knocked his knee when he was in national service on an assault course, he hurt his knee, and somehow the virus was able to set in and cause problems, permanent problems with him. It's very similar, too, to, to a lot of viruses. You don't know that they've gone through you. And folk have always ended up getting hurt. None of us would be alive today, folks. Long before this COVID-19 came along, right? Eh? 
Do you understand that? That's like normal stuff. And some years you'll, you'll get a cold and everybody around you hasn't got it that you know of. And, so, and sometimes they'll all have it and, and you're fine. You know, that's just the way it is. But one way or another has gone through you, even when you were fine, that particular strain, whatever it is, and you're somehow resistant to it already that year. But anyway, all the graphs and charts, as I say, don't give you anything to do with fatality. And the more you test, the more you're going to find folk. I've got, as I say, positive. The tests are so nonsensical. They're nonsensical. These swap tests, are not, a lot of these tests are not even meant for diagnostic purposes. Really? Mm-mm-mm. It's far easier for bacterial purposes. You, you can test bacteria and get, and you can grow them again in a, in a, in a dish, of course. And, uh, and you'll see it. You can test this is definitely so-and-so bacterium. But when it comes to viruses, especially COVID group, it's a massive group of, of uh, variations of things. It says the World Health Organization had estimated that COVID-19's official death rate would hover around 3.4%. The statistic has been used to justify the loss of 3 million jobs in Canada and libraries being turned into food banks. You should be lucky you got food because eventually, come the winter and next year, you'll be lucky to get food at all, I think. And that is the plan. It says, well, I decided to calculate the infection fatality rate for the entire country as well as each individual province and territory using the official data from the Public Health Agency of Canada as of June 23rd, 2020, six days after McGeer's calculations. As you can see, we arrive at a 0.56% rate of death for those infected with COVID and 0.56% and six times less than the WHO's estimate of 3.4%. Notwithstanding a 0.56% infection to fatality rate, as Dr. Greer said, would be unquestionably much worse than a bad flu season, around five times as worse than a, as a mild flu season. But wait, more questions, and so on it says, um, in the above table, take a look at the infection to fatality column. You can see that a person infected with COVID is twice as likely to die if they live in Ontario which is 0.62%, or Quebec, 0.65%, versus somebody living in Nova Scotia on the East Coast, 0.32%. And Canucks are twice as likely to die in Nova Scotia rather than Alberta. Alberta's got 0.16%. Indeed, if you estimate Quebec and Ontario from the equation, if you eliminate them from the equation, we arrive at dramatically different results, an infection fatality rate of 0.17% and only three deaths per 100,000 amongst the remaining 61% of Canadians. Is COVID-19 then more dangerous than the flu? It doesn't seem so if you live outside of Ontario and Quebec. <laughs> it's true. So anyway, they, they go back and forth to, to, to justify this, this reasoning, etc. But... Uh, you got even different provinces, even in the U.S. states, some of them have different methods and percentages or percentages to do with the actual tests that they're doing. It's not like a like a, a switch going on and off. You're positive or negative. There's a whole range it goes up to, even in different countries. Or, or how many hours the study, this particular test has been studied? So many hours with the virus on so and so. That's how they really do it. There's a whole bunch of procedures they go through, and they've got different rates of it. 
if it's only done studied for maybe 36 hours in one state, maybe another state will do up to 30. Well, you'd be negative if the ones that does it in 30, the ones that does it in 36 hours test will be actually over. It's so bogus, it's unbelievable. And again, the Cox postulates, which have got to go through to get to even confirm this is a particular unique virus, hasn't even been done. This is this is the most miraculous thing that's ever been. It hasn't been done, folks. Huh? To make sure this is a definite, distinct virus. None of it's been done. This criteria must fulfill step by step by step before you can see this is a definite new virus. Hmm. And again, with everybody getting put down, is dying from it anyway. Remember in Britain, don't forget what they said in Britain with Hancock, the guy who's put in, put in charge of the health for Britain, the National Health Service. He's a politician, of course, but don't forget what you said during a talk, and I put that up too, it was on a, a YouTube, where he said, he says, people have forgotten, you know, like folk are dying all the time, every day, every, every week, every month, every year. <laughs> people die every day. Uh, otherwise, we'd uh, we'd have uh, too many folk, obviously, and um, the folk die every day, and they're replaced by new babies and yada yada. That's why that's births and deaths. That's why they, the, the stats are always in births and deaths, births and deaths. But we forget that we've also already been, been conned. Didn't you? you know, no one di- died before COVID came along. Did you know that folk are dying of COVID? And they put everybody who dies down as COVID. And that's a, that, that's a fact probable. Did he sneeze? Yeah, he sneezed, he sneezed twice before he croaked. You know? Oh, that's put on COVID then, right? And uh, never mind the scams that they get for, for, for putting them down and diagnosing them as COVID. The hospitals get more money and if they use a ventilator, even more money again. But back to the point here. Probables as well. There's, there's hardly a, a symptom that they haven't stuck into this COVID thing. If you've got a runny nose, it could be COVID. If you've if you got a, a, a congested nasal passages, it could be COVID. There's nothing that they haven't missed. In the middle of hay fever season, eh? So they put all these folk down as COVID deaths. And Hancock says, he says, people forget, you know, 10,000 people, and this is in Britain or England, 10,000 people die every, every month here, he says. But shouldn't that shock you? I mean, you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> 10,000 die normally in a way. Well, since they're putting so many of them down as, as COVID, then they, they keep, keep jacking up the figures. Because, because now, along with the whole climate idea of catastrophe and we're all going to die, you've got COVID there, oh, you're all going to die, give up all your rights and we'll manage you. Because we, and we've got to bring in a new system, a complete global reset, they said. And we're using COVID now as the excuse. Mm. Yep. Uh, uh, you're looking at horror, and folks should should definitely, definitely be put in the dock for this. I, I, it's a pity it'll never happen because the elite run the system. That will never happen. But uh, uh, like some fantasy Hollywood movie to get some kind of justice, it'd be a nice one. But it's in fantasy again. Never happen. Quite some. It says here, in a way, that, that uh, a probable cause, they put them down as probable case uh, of COVID seems to leave much to question. Can one be added to the COVID list if they suffer an onset 
or exacerbation of chronic cough, coupled by participating in a mass gathering identified as a source of exposure. A Canadian can also be branded as COVID case if he or she has a fever over 38 degrees Celsius and close contact with a confirmed case of COVID-19. When it comes to close contact, how close are we talking about? Not all that close, it seems. A single laboratory confirmed case of COVID-19 in a long-term care home in a resident or staff member would trigger an outbreak and would be declared, says the Ontario Ministry of Health, COVID-19 outbreak guidance for long-term care homes. <laughs> in other words, if the maintenance man at a senior's home of 800 residents tests positive for COVID, all 800 residents would now meet the close contact qualifier. Ontario's health case definition, novel coronavirus 19, confirms this. Just a runny nose and being a patient in the same ward or facility during a, a, a nosocomial, nosocomial outbreak of COVID-19 will add grandma to the COVID case count. The facility could include long-term care homes where most of the deaths have occurred. And that's another thing too. Most of them have occurred, remember, in these long-term care homes where I'm telling you uh, a lot have been done on the on the cheap, 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 you know, especially with the staff, etc. And, and plus they terrified. The stories that came out of some of them, the ones in Montreal, where literally the, the, some of the homes were deserted. The staff had fled in utter panic and fear. And the folk were lying in their own waste, etc., something like that. Just horrible, horrible stuff. So it says that um, she only need one confirmed case of COVID and all the residents in that nursing home become probable cases as soon as they show any of the broad list of COVID symptoms. And by, <laughs> it's really broad, believe you me. Yes, it's one of those COVID red flags include a, a decrease in blood pressure. <laughs> So they, they, even that, you understand, if you're one of the probables, because one person went through the nursing home, oh yeah, well your blood pressure just dropped a little there, so uh, you probably got COVID, so put them all down, COVID, right? A common occurrence amongst elderly using blood pressure lowering medication. Yeah. So someone can be totally free of COVID but still be included in the total COVID cases. But of course, if they do die, it would not be assumed that COVID was the cause of death, or would it? What kind of proof is required to verify a COVID patient actually died from COVID? Consider that the Ontario Public Health Daily Epidemiologic Summary clearly states, and that links are here for all these, by the way. Any case marked fatal is included in the deaths data. Deaths are included whether or not COVID-19 was determined to be a contributing or underlying cause of death. That's right there, right? Whether or not, right? Said another way, it doesn't matter whether someone died from cancer, the flu, heart disease, a ventilator, medication, falling down the stairs, a bullet to the head, as long as it was probable that they had COVID. They will be added to the list of the COVID deaths in Canada. Now I'm also going to put up this article next to it. It's called Legal Challenge to COVID-19 Measures Filed in Ontario Superior Court, July 8th, 2020. By Vaccine Choice Canada, and they're actually putting, putting in a, a legal challenge to see what happens. I don't, I, I, I you know, you got to applaud the people who do these things. And I remember the same thing happened with a group, a very dedicated group, who had all their facts right, and they challenged the Bank of Canada's chronology that was it was doing, 
And um, eventually, of course, everything ruled against them. They didn't go any further. That's because Canada's more totalitarian and socialist, very like, much like Australia. It's interesting to look at the, the, the Commonwealth countries, ex-Commonwealth, still Commonwealth countries, where they were part of the Dominion. You know, Canada used to be called the Dominion uh, because of the Dominion of, of uh, England or London. And... Uh, there's always been a system in place which tells you you're under a monarchy. Don't forget, everybody's appointed at the top, any official, anything, to, to be loyal to the crown. And that, that you've got to understand, that there's a different system above all, above the so-called democracy here. And it doesn't matter if the one below it pretends to be right-wing at times or left-wing at times. It's uh, really all run by a, a, a system above them. So you can challenge them all they want in Canada, because Canada uh, is more of a totalitarian system than, than most countries. Australia is much the same, and that's why Australia is getting locked down so quickly uh, with a very authoritarian system, actually, very authoritarian, and uh, who, who give the people no choice at all, just to comply or else, and that's it. But I'll put this article up, it's quite good on... Uh, uh, on the, uh, the, the different uh, things that they're, they're putting forward. Because really, the, the, the government's negating their duties, supposedly, as, as you would think it was uh, in regards to the public, the citizens, given the restriction of access to Parliament, to the courts, medical and educational services. True, how many folk can't get medical care during this whole farce? Uh, I, I guess if we would die at home, they can't get any hospital put down as COVID does even though they they're, and they want other treatments for different things, as that's what's killing them. The destruction of local economies, absolutely, and livelihoods and requirement of to physically distance, and that which a farce, a whole idea dreamed up by a schoolgirl and her daddy who worked for the military-industrial complex, you know, by a computer model, nothing to do with reality. And uh, along with the forced use of non-medical masking, are extraordinary measures that have never before been imposed on this system, even though the, 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 the micron size of this virus supposedly is, is smaller than the particles they can get through an M95 masks, but facts don't matter again, eh? As <laughs> uh, to make you literally complete obedience, the mask itself is compliance, that's its symbol, comply. We're all one. We're all one. You see, that's the first thing for, for war-type scenarios, get the public all to act as one and to obey as one and get the mob to turn on anybody who's, a, who's individual and says, I'm not carrying this gas mask. That's World War II. I don't need a gas mask. What for? No one's getting gassed. No one was gassed. That didn't matter. The rest of them would, would turn on you. You better get that gas mask. We all have to do it. And, yeah, that's the mob, eh? Always used. It's, it's very much like the movie Gangs in New York, where where the I think the mayor of New York at the time um, said we can always hire half the citizens to 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 kill the other half <laughs> if we need to. That's quite pl- plain about it. That was quite good. That little that little one liner there. It's true. Of course you can. Folks never realise they're getting played off. Even your emotions, especially when you get emotions, you're angry. Someone's using you. Someone else is using you. You're being programmed. You can see by whom and for what purpose. Who's benefiting from this? Who's suffering because of it? But unfortunately, once folk have gone that far up through emotions, they cannot think at all.
And um, I'll put these articles up. Another one too. COVID-19 PCR test. This is awfully good. I mean, it's true. Again, it says facts, but facts don't matter. It says PCR tests are scientifically meaningless, though the whole world relies on RT-PCR to diagnose SARS-CoV-2 infection. The science is clear. They are not fit for the purpose. The inventor says it's not a diagnostic tool. There's, I'll repeat that for the harder thinking. The inventor says it's not a diagnostic tool for diagnosing disease. It's a tool to be used solely in the laboratory for other purposes. But it says lockdown and hygienic measures around the world are based on numbers of cases and mortality rates created by the so-called SARS-CoV-2 RT-PCR tests used to identify positive, quotation marks, Patients, whereby positive is usually equated with infected, you see. But looking closely at the facts, the conclusion is that these PCR tests are meaningless as a diagnostic tool to determine an alleged infection by a supposed new virus called SARS-CoV-2. And this is unfounded test, test, test mantra. And the message was spread through the headlines around the world, for instance, by routers and BBC. Test, 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 right? It's true, that's all you've heard, test, test, test. So on the 3rd of May, the moderator of the, the Hot Journal, one of the most important news magazines on German television, was passing the mantra of the corona dogma onto his audience with astonishing words. Test, test, test. That is the credo at the moment, and it's the only way to really understand how much the coronavirus is spreading. This indicates that the belief in the validity of the PCR test is so strong that it equals a religion that tolerates virtually no contradiction. But it's well known that religions are about faith and not about scientific facts. And as Walter Lippmann, the two-time Pulitzer Prize winner and perhaps the most influential journalist of the 20th century, said, where all think alike, no one thinks very much. So to start, it's, it's very remarkable that Kerry Mullis himself, or Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the polymerase chain reaction technology, this is what they call a PCR test, right, did not think alike. His invention got him the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1993. Unfortunately, Mullis passed away last year at the age of 74, but there's no doubt that the biochemist regarded the PCR as inappropriate to detect a viral infection. The reason is that the intended use of the PCR was, and still is, to apply it as a manufacturing technique, being able to replicate DNA sequence millions and billions of times. That's what what its function is, right? To replicate DNA sequences millions and billions of times, and not as a diagnostic tool to detect viruses. How declaring virus pandemics based on PCR tests can end in disaster was described by Gina Colazza in her 2007 New York Times article called Faith in Quick Test Leads to Epidemic That Wasn't. That was in 2007. And lack of a valid gold standard. Says, Moreover, it's worth mentioning that PCR tests used to identify so-called COVID-19 patients presumably infected by what is called SARS-CoV-2 do not have a valid gold standard to compare with them with. It's not a simple, straightforward switch on and off, positive, negative. It's a fundamental point. Tests need to be evaluated to determine their, pre- their preciseness. 
Strictly speaking, their sensitivity and specificity by comparison with a gold standard, meaning the most accurate method available. As an example for a pregnancy test, the gold standard would be the pregnancy itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're definitely. But as an Australian infectious disease specialist, Sanjaya Sanayake said, um, for example, stated in an ABC TV interview in an answer to the question, how accurate is the COVID-19 testing? If we had a new test for picking up the bacterium golden staff in blood, we've already got blood cultures, that's our gold standard, and we've been using for decades, and we could match this new test against that. But for COVID-19, we don't have a gold standard test. Jessica C. Watson from Bristol University confirms this in her paper interpreting a COVID-19 test result published recently in the British Medical Journal. She writes that there's a lack of such a clear-cut gold standard for COVID-19 testing. But instead of classifying the test as unsuitable for SARS-CoV-2 detection and COVID-19 diagnosis, or instead of pointing out that only a virus proven through isolation and purification can be a solid gold standard, Watson claims in all seriousness that, pragmatically, COVID-19 diagnosis itself, remarkably including PCR testing itself, may be the best available gold standard, but this is not scientifically sound. Apart from the fact that it's downright absurd to take the PCR test itself as part of the gold standard to evaluate PCR test, <laughs> there are no distinctive specific symptoms for COVID-19, as even people such as Thomas Losher, former head of the Department of Infectious Tropical Medicine at the University of Munich and member of the Federal Association of German Internists, conceded to us. This is, and if there are no distinctive specific symptoms for COVID-19 for diagnosis, Contrary to Watson's statement, it cannot be suitable for hats serving as a valid gold standards. It very much depends who's studying it. <laughs> it's just what the conclusion they're going to have if it's positive or not. That's really what it is. Eh? It says there's no proof for the RNA being of viral origin. Right? Now the question is, what is required first for the virus isolation and proof? We need to know where the RNA for, for which the PCR tests are calibrated comes from. As test books, for, uh, and they give example White Fenner Medical Virology in 1986, page 9, as well as leading viral research uh, such as Luc Montagnier of Dominic Dwyer State, particle purification, that is the separation of an object from everything else that is not that object. As for instance, Nobel laureate Marie Curie purified 100 milligram, of his milligram, I guess is, of radium chloride in 1898 by extracting it from tons of pitchblend is an essential prerequisite for proving the existence of a virus and thus to prove that the RNA from the particle in question comes from a new virus. The reason for this is that PCR is extremely sensitive, which means it can detect even the smallest pieces of DNA or RNA, but it cannot determine where these particles come from. That has to be determined beforehand. And because PCR tests are calibrated for gene sequences, in this case RNA sequences, because SARS-CoV-2 is believed to be an RNA virus, believed to be, that word believed to be, we have to know that these gene snippets are part of the looked-for virus. And to know that, correct isolation and purification of the presumed virus has to be executed. 
Hence, we have asked the science teams of relevant papers, which are referred to in context SARS-CoV-2, for proof where the electric electron microscope shots depicted in their viral their vitro experiment show purified viruses, but not a single team could answer that question with yes. And no, well, nobody said purification was a necessary step. <laughs> One of the answers like no. Uh, we did not obtain an electron micrograph showing the degree of purification. We asked several study officers, do your electron micrographs show the purified virus? They gave the following responses, and they gave you answers of, to names and so on. Uh, emergence of a novel human coronavirus threatening human health, Nature Medicine, March 2020, Malik Pires, and so on. Answered the image is a virus budding from an infected cell, it is not purified virus. So none of them actually are purified viruses, which you're supposed to get in the first place, if you really want to get to the bottom of things. It's all, it's astonishing really what's going on here. But again, the PCR test is not even meant. It's not meant for diagnosis. Why do you get all these false positives and false negatives? Depends who's looking at it, folks. It really is. And how long uh, they've had these things and, uh, you know, it's a whole system they put these PCR tests through as they multiply and multiply and particles and so on. And they put a light through it as well, too. So many hours it takes. Well, if they, a different current use a different amount of hours for it. And that gives you the, the different answers on, on the same tests. Another one, too, is guidance on interpreting COVID-19 test results. This article here. And it's got viral testing, positive, negative, positives. Um, they've got most likely you, you do currently have a, an active COVID-19 infection and give, can give the virus to others, recommended actions. And then, this is, this is what comes up, right, positive. Most likely, they can't see you've definitely got it. Most likely... Uh, you do currently have a, 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 an active infection, right? Even though it's only pick up particles. You get particles even if they're dead and gone, broken up from weeks ago. And negative, it becomes negative, right? On COVID-19 test results. Most likely you do not currently have an active COVID-19 infection, Right? And if you have symptoms, you should keep monitoring symptoms and seek medical advice. It's understand any sniffy nose or cold or whatever is going to, or flu is going to be put down as COVID. Most likely is your diagnosis, right? This is an official guidance in interpreting the test results. Antibody testing, right? You think there'd be more? I says eight, but no, right? Don't forget, antibody testing will show you if you have a, you could even a flu shot over a few years ago could still show you up as positive. They're all, they're all COVIDs, you see. So antibody testing, positive, it comes up positive, right? A blood test. You likely have had a COVID-19 infection. Well, how can they actually say COVID-19 one when they've never purified it to, to, from anything else to, to even get a base thing to start with? So you may be protected from reinfection and have immunity, but this cannot be said with certainty. Scientists are conducting studies now to provide more information. Right? So even though you're positive, right, and you'll probably have immunity, they can't guarantee for certain that this is all true. (laughs) 
it's a good business to go into. You can't fail them when you get paid anyway. And testing for past infections with the virus, and it comes up negative, right? You likely never had or have not yet developed antibodies to COVID-19 infection. Likely, but not positively, right? It says you could still get COVID-19. Take steps to protect yourself and others. What are you going to do? Go to a different planet and breathe a different atmosphere. Hmm? And then viral positive, right? Antibody positive. So, so viral positive. Most likely you do currently have an active COVID-19 infection and can give the virus to others. Remember what they said before too. This is for folk who won't even have symptoms, remember? And the, work, the WHO came out and said it's very unlikely that folk who, are, who have no symptoms uh, can pass on to other people. Remember that she came out and said that? Uh, yeah, remember? Mm. But here it says, most likely you do currently have an active infection and can give the virus to others. Most likely you could, but then you maybe you likely couldn't. I, mean, I don't know. And um, viral positive and antibody negative. Right? Most likely you do currently have an active COVID-19 infection and can give the virus to others because you haven't developed an antibody yet. So they're saying here, right? If you've got both antibody and viral testing, so you're viral negative and antibody positive. Um, so this is a good one, eh? There's no, there's, no, there's no sign of a virus. Okay. So you're likely, you're likely again, I like, I, like, I like this. Science is so precise, you know. So you likely had, and you also obey it. You should obey this, 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 this accurate science. Scientists, see? They speak with authority. Okay. Uh, they've got lots of degrees so they can come in and say you better obey us because you likely have this or likely have that anyway it says uh, you likely have had and recovered from a COVID-19 infection if you're viral negative and antibody positive right and um, <laughs> once again you may be protected from reinfection and have a, you have immune but this cannot be said with certainty well this is a really great science this one eh Viral negative and antibody negative. You likely never had a COVID-19 infection. You could still get COVID-19. You should get tested again. <laughs> Only if your medical provider and or workplace tells you to take steps to protect yourself and others. Ah, there you go. Eh? You understand if, if everybody you understand if everybody had had it and tested positive. Uh, This thing would have been over long And actually it was The spike was over At the beginning of April We know that now But facts don't matter They need it, remember They need this to happen The other one too is um, The Corona simulation machine Why the inventor of the Corona test Would have warned us Not to use it To detect the virus That's what I was telling you earlier And again This this article also goes into You know uh, the guy who invented this PCR test and all the rest of it. He said it's not meant for diagnosing at all. And he says scientists are doing an awful lot of damage to the world in the name of helping it. I don't mind attacking my own fraternity because I am ashamed of it. That was Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the polymerase chain reaction. That's PCR. Hmm? That's what he said. He's ashamed of his own fraternity. 
What do I mean by when we say somebody has tested positive for coronavirus? The answer would astonish you or astonish you. By getting this answer is like getting to a very rare mushroom that only grows above 200 feet on a sequoia tree in this forbidden forest. I say that for dramatic effect, but also because I wound up against the Lord's finding it. Every day I wake up and work and shedding one more layer of ignorance by listening carefully. I got luckily with scientists many years ago, epic, incredible scientists happening to cross my pathway. Nobody else wanted to talk to them. Now their names are emerging, their warnings and corrections, crystallizing. True science, the nature of the natural world, is never bad news. Globalist science is nothing but bad news. And that's the difference, is politicized science, you see, for a big agenda. The reason Bill Gates wants you to believe a coronavirus will exterminate over 450 million people is that he hates nature, God, and you. A subjective interpretation. Why is that? You have to ask a psychiatrist. But then it goes on and on. It's quite a good article, actually. Here's another one, too. It says, Bill requires employers... Employers to keep implanted microchips voluntary for workers. Remember that article, too, that Bill Gates had working with MIT, and that's genuine. It's not a made-up story. And um, to do with a, a chip-type system that would track and trace everybody that had vaccinations on their skin. Tattoo was one of them. Then they also looked into the actual chip itself, implanting that, yada, yada. Well, trial balloons come out all the time and preparations for what's coming comes out all the time too. Because folks, folks can't handle more than one, one or two crises at the same time. Two, say three maximum, will break people. Most folk will break at three crises happening all at the same time. So they give you those little bits and pieces here and there. And, and a lot of th- things will get ignored by you because you can't handle extras. You're going to have to worry about, you know. So a bill requires employers to keep implanted microchips voluntary for workers, ABC 12 news team. As employers around the U.S. implant microchips in workers to track productivity. Are they doing that already? Where? The, the Michigan House passed a bill making them voluntary in the state. The bill passed Wednesday prohibits employees, employers from requiring workers to accept a microchipped implant. With the way technology has increased over the years and it continues to grow, it's important Michigan job providers balance the interests of the company with their employees' expectations of privacy, says State Representative Brona Cal from Lenawee County, who sponsored the bill. You wonder who's really behind it and who, who had them. You know, most politicians today are, are, are just they're lobbyists for big businesses. I mean, they are. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. I've been so corrupt that we accept corruption yeah, until it can't work. Things eventually start working all together when it becomes so corrupt, just like Rome again. But anyway, so she said the companies increasingly are turning to miniature microchips about the size of a grain of rice implanted in employees' hands to track productivity so managers can look for ways to boost efficiency. Some places the RFID microchips take the place of time cards. I wonder what places they are. They don't mention what places they're using them. ID badges and security clearance devices. Some can be equipped with credit card technology to complete financial transactions. I've had this out for years, this stuff. Cal said the devices aren't used widely yet. I wonder where they are using them. I know in Mexico had been advocating them for government employees for the federal government at one point years ago. 
I've never much since from elsewhere. But she believes they could become a standard business practice around Michigan in the next few years. I wonder what, she, what tip off she's got. While these mentor devices are on the rise, so are the calls for workers to have their privacy protected. Companies could still impl- uh, deploy implanted microchips under her bill, but the policy would have to be voluntary there and mandatory, which means, again, they'll fire you if you don't accept it. They don't have to necessarily fire you. I mean, if you, you know something, corporations and businesses have got many ways to get you out the door. And yeah, you can all say anything. You either, you either all say no <laughs> uh, or allow somebody to say yes, which means you're, you're all finished, you see. So Cal's bill now heads to the state senate for consideration. It would have to pass there before Governor Gretchen Whitmer could sign it into law. I think Miss Whitmer would um, be quite happy to sign it into law. They all would, wouldn't they? When they couldn't actually brand the cattle, you know, brand it properly with a with a, a, a tracking chip in the cattle. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a brand, yeah. an ownership. The Lancet Gate, scientific coronal lies and big pharma corruption, hydroxychloroquine versus Gilead's remdesivir. That's global research, and it says there's an ongoing battle to suppress hydroxychloroquine. I did different articles similar this already, actually. It's a cheap and effective drug for the treatment of COVID-19. The campaign against HCQ is carried out through slanderous political statements, media smears, not to mention an authoritative peer-reviewed evaluation published in May 22nd by the Lancelery, did that last week, I think, which was based on fake figures and test trials, remember. They published <laughs> and then to retract it. Uh, again, how politicized they all are, eh? They're all on the take for big corporations. The study was allegedly based on data analysis of 96,032 patients hospitalized with COVID-19. I guess it would be probably from that last article already, or possibly, between December 2019 and April 14, 2020, uh, from 671 hospitals worldwide. Well, that Lancet article was retracted, it says, uh, because they, they they said they'd stopped using that they're testing the hydroxychloroquine. That's what they said. I've, I've read the article. It was done again. They just dropped it again because they're told to by you know Fauci and the rest of the crew at the top. Uh, anyway, since when the Lancet article was retracted, the media casually blamed a tiny U.S.-based company named uh, Surgisphere, whose employees include a sci-fi writer. An adult content model, that's true, I read that article maybe two weeks ago, for spreading flawed data. <laughs> the Chicago-based outfit was accused of having misled both the WHO and national governments, inciting them to ban HCQ, that's the, that's the drug. None of those trial tests actually took place. It was all made up and fake. The, 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 the Lancet even published it. The, 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 they took it as truth as well. Because we know that... Uh, that Fauci and the rest of them, the only ones, even before that, he kept poo-pooing everything until this one was read as Gilead, because he's, he's, he knows the Gilead, at the very least, put it this way, there's a lot more to it, but he, he's friends, he's friends with Gilead, how's that? And uh, just like they're, they're all friends with the same uh, vaccine companies too, they're going to get the contracts. Canada 19 CTV advocates demand Ontario shut down farms as COVID-19 cases soar amongst work. No, they're going in to test them, and you only find more and more every day that you test folk. They're not ill, right? 
And uh, as I say, it's such a, a fake thing for diagnosing it, but it's great for getting great big numbers, eh? Listen to it. So a single pharma with Essex into it linked to 175 new cases of COVID-19 in the province, reigniting concerns about the rapid spread of the virus among temporary foreign workers. And so Interior reported 257 new cases on Monday. Uh, these are cases, these are not illnesses, for 177 of which were confirmed by the Windsor-Essex Public Health Unit following, listen, targeted testing of migrant farm workers over the weekend. Well, if you keep doing targeted testing, you're going to find more and more cases. That's how it spreads through society and and gets herd immunity, folks. And cases are not illnesses. And then illnesses have to be confirmed. And, and you've, you've already seen the articles here. They've got probables and possibles and, and likelies and unlikelies. And <laughs> that's science there. And don't forget, too, in communism, which is the system they're bringing in for, to, to suit this global elite. They always give you the system to suit the global elite. It's never, believe you me, if they, if they were not happy with it and hadn't advocated it, it would never have happened. This is the plan for efficiency and getting all done. And um, they always do is, is create, to, for compliance sake, is rationing and shortage of food. That's the standard thing across the, the globe. That's what they do. That's what communism always does. It makes you buckle under and you'll, you'll, you'll beg for food and you'll do what you're told. They've already pretty well closed at most of the meat market. Like permanently, that's what they want. Remember what the Club of Rome said in, in the World Economic Forum that, that uh, meat and the rest of it is unsustainable. Because it makes you kind of healthy if you're sick. E- even, even Gandhi had to take that, you know. Meat eventually. In Australia, as I say, they're so totalitarian in the old... British Commonwealth countries. Victoria records 74 new coronavirus cases overnight. Oh, 74. I guess they must have tested them all in the morning. They say, oh, guess what we found? As Daniel Andrews announces free rent and a $1,500 payment for the 3,000 people locked in Melbourne Towers. That's just like that pandemic we saw, I think, the movie a few years back. They released it. I mean, again, it's all used to the idea of getting locked in towers, just like China. China was a role model for all. And, uh, and now they're implementing the same thing too. Because you must understand that this, this is a whole new system and you must believe it's all real and get used to obeying uh, very drastic, nonsensical measures being implemented against you and upon you. So, uh, yeah, the more you test, the more you're going to find all these cases, you know. But again, it'll come down to likely or unlikely or possibly or, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Premier Dan Andrews has warned of a lockdown return if things don't improve. Nine public housing towers across Melbourne have been shut down for five days. People living in their towers will not have to pay any rent. Oh, that's a real uh, relief, isn't it? They, can't, they don't have to pay any rent. I guess they'll just starve to do for the next two weeks. They have no work to go to anyway. Victorian police will be guarding each floor of the towers, ensuring no one leaves. Well, there's freedom. This is the new freedom. Remember what they said and when 9-11 happened and, and later on, uh, as they gave you two, all your rights and freedoms, uh, they put out uh, a new statement, a legality too, and they announced these things. And Bush Jr., with the big grin on his face, he said, this is the new freedom, the new freedom, you see? They're redefining freedom. 
and New South Wales recorded 14 new COVID-19 cases. But all were returned overseas travellers. But were they ill? Doesn't say. You see, never do. <laughs> well, they probably didn't know. I'll put this one up too. South Africa. They always use South Africa as a guinea pigs for these things. And they have done all along for many, many years for different things. And and uh, there's been very conspiracy, conspiracy theories out there too. But some of them pretty validized. <laughs> many two years later. How they release certain things, then test them out there too. They do the same in Latin America, by the way. Big pharma companies use these countries for, for testing. In Amsterdam, no one mentions it. There's no newspapers to write about it. You see, it's easy to pay off uh, folk in, in charge of uh, commissioners and all that. We are not guinea pigs, say South African anti-vaccine protesters, and. Um, Anti-vaccine protests took the streets Johannesburg Wednesday to voice a concern over Africa's first human trials for a potential coronavirus vaccine. This is uh, the, they were demonstrating uh, at which University Johannesburg, South Africa, and it says involvement of South African vaccine trials is intended to ensure the continent will have access to an affordable vaccine <laughs> and not be left in the back of the queue. They always say things like that. Hey, you don't get left behind. You may be at the bottom of the list, you know. But if you help us out here, we'll get to you quicker. Maybe cheaper too. About fifty people helped protest at the university at the, the Witwatersrand in Johannesburg, saying they had, didn't want Africans to be used as guinea pigs. And says, I'm not happy at all. I mean, this feels like the 1980s all over again when the AIDS pandemic just broke out in South Africa. Says 29 year old graphic designer, uh, Teboga Lagol. And it says, some of the, the placards carried by the demonstrators read, We are not guinea pigs. I wonder uh, if he remembers that. He's 29 years old, but that's like 40 years ago. <laughs> anyway. As his 29-year-old community activist, Walter uh, Mashilo, said the vaccine should be tested for some members of parliament. I'm all for that. And ministers, and the ministers, there's a politician's children, not in poor people. We are clear, comrades, we don't want this vaccine trial, he said, addressing the crowd. South Africa has the highest rate of infections in the continent, with confirmed cases of over 150,000 and more than 2,600 deaths. Now, confirmed cases again, right? Was that what killed them, or is that not? Or were these folk dying anyway? As I say, don't forget that just England alone, 10,000 folk a month die, eh? Normally, of different old age problems. Eventually, we'll all get our turn, you know. And Africa's a massive continent. So there you go, 150,000 and more than 2,600. But yeah, 2,600 deaths from what? And confirmed were they ill or not. Traditional healers are also fighting for their medicine to be used against the virus instead of a vaccine. We're not going to follow a vaccine because we, as healers, believe our traditional medicine is not given a chance. Silwani Mokatsi, 32-year-old compliance officer who's also part of the traditional healers organization. So anyway, I'll put this one up and... Uh, well, they're quite right. At least, you know, at least they're saying something normal, like we're not guinea pigs. These are trial vaccines, folks. What was it? Again, let's, like, the folk literally who've got premature Alzheimer's, think about it. 
you know, again, I said tonight again, the same, the same thing. Bill Gates, what was it he said? 700,000 folk, 700,000 will die from the vaccine. And the world is, you know, across the world from the vaccine. And that was acceptable. Well, here's normal folk doing normal things. We're not guinea pigs. <laughs> they don't want it. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, here's the thing, too. As I said, the, the, you a gang here, especially in the States, rather evident in the States, but the same thing in England, too, in Oxford and different places like that. You'll find the same cliques. I, some of them in, in, in Oxford, I think, even worked over in the Wuhan lab at one point. And they'll get patents on things, too, you know. National Institute of Health, right? National Institute of Health in the States owns half of Moderna vaccine, Robert F. K. Jr. And it says that in addition, four National Institute of Health scientists have filed their own provisional patent application as co-inventors, right, of the vaccine. Little-known NIH regulations let agency scientists collect up to $150,000 annually in royalties from vaccines upon which they worked. These rules are recipes for regulatory corruption. The NIH stake in the, the jab may explain why Anthony Fauci moved from Moderna's vaccine to the front of the line. He moved it to the front. He's the one who decides who's going to get the contract. So just coincidence, though, he picked that one uh, to let Moderna skip uh, around animal trials despite the experimental technology and the inherent dangers of coronavirus vaccines. Every prior coronavirus vaccine has proven problematic and can be lethal to animals due to COVID's uh, unique uh, penchant for pathogenic priming. In other words, they give it to you, then you hit a virus and, and your, your body then overreacts to it and it kills you. So death occurs only after a vaccinated animal encounters the wild virus. It doesn't even have to be that particular virus that they were given the vaccine against, right? It doesn't have to be that one. It can be one of a, of a strain, different, even, even quite different, but it'll still react, and down you go. Public health advocates and scientists criticize Fauci's decision to skip around trials as reckless. It may also explain why Anthony Fauci arranged a $483 million grant <laughs> to Moderna from a sister NIH agency, Barda, despite the fact that Moderna has never brought a, a product to market or gotten approval. Fauci publicly announced he was encouraged by Moderna's catastrophic phase one clinical trials, despite the fact that groups of super healthy volunteers had grade three severe or medically significant reactions following vaccination. Somebody go to hospital. <laughs> Fauci's infusion, good name made Moderna CEO Steve Bansell a billionaire and further enriched Fauci's mentor and co-investor Bill Gates. May also explain why Fauci publicly announced he was encouraged by Moderna's catastrophic phase one trial, despite the fact that 20% of the high dose and 60% of the low dose groups of super healthy volunteers had grade three severe or medically significant reactions following vaccination. Well, they can stuff that where the sun don't shine, Mr. Fauci. Those results would have spelled death on arrival for any other medical product. After getting the abysmal news, Bansell and four other Moderna executives immediately dumped more than $89 million in stock, and Fauci was forced to make his optimistic public assessment to save Moderna's plummeting shares from death spiral. 
Fauci painted lipstick on that lame donkey and now he's trying to convince everyone it's a thoroughbred. Mm-mm-mm. So Moderna and NIH began manufacturing the first of one billion doses of the deadly vaccine this month. <laughs> deadly vaccine. Fauci knows from experience that no matter how dangerous a vaccine is, the easy part is convincing people to take it. Yeah, it was a terrifying one, yeah. Pharma, after all, controls the media. Well, the media is all part of the same system, the same owners, actually. So there you go, that's, that's that one there, eh? Another one, too. This article here is, um, again, you get, you get these fake polls. It's like, it's like, once again, you have to go back to the so-called father of propaganda. He wasn't really the father of, of um, marketing, really. Edward Bernays, he understood that people are, are motivated by subconscious things, even desires and so on. And you could, and you could titillate them by tickling the desires and make them do certain things. Or you could terrify them through fear, very primitive parts of the brain and so on, into compliance and things. It's all marketing strategies and, and to persuade folk to comply. But another part of it, too, for compliance was to create polls and fake polls because they know through the herd instinct of people. A lot of folk literally, oh, well, you know, 70 odd percent said that's okay. Maybe I should join them. And I've actually had people say to me uh, that they voted for Pierre Trudeau, the daddy of the present one. And um, even though they knew you had been communist. And they said, yeah, but, you know, I realized, I said, one of them says to me, I realized that... Uh, uh, that he was, he was winning in the winning in, 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 during the election, and I, I thought I'd, I'd just join the winners because they gave him statistics. That's how dumb it was. Some folk are like that. Well, if most folk go that way, I should go that way too. You know? So that, that's what the polls are for to convince you. Well, maybe you, because you'd see, Mike, I could, couldn't believe that seventy-two percent of Canadians support mandatory coronavirus vaccine. I never, I never thought of that. Well, I'm really surprised. I better jump on the bandwagon and go along with them, eh? <laughs> Yeah, prove it, yeah, prove it all. Well, that won't happen. Because fake news is allowed when it's promoting the noble lie for, for the noble cause. You understand? That's that's permitted, you see. So more than two-thirds of Canadians believe a vaccine for COVID-19, the disease caused by the novel coronavirus, is it really, should be mandatory for all. A new poll by Ipsos suggests... Ah, the year. But nobody asked me. Did you know? Did you get? Did, did you get asked? I bet you didn't, eh? I tell you. I wonder who they ask. Eh? So forty-one percent strongly agreed with the idea. With thirty-two percent somewhat agreed, and yada yada yada. So yeah, we should all get mandatory, regardless. You see, naturally we'd all vote for that, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? Yeah. I don't think so. Fake polls, eh? And they've, they've, they've had books put out on percentages, had to work at percentages too, and how to use percentages and manipulate and even create percentages through fake <laughs> techniques to convince the public that, that your, your percentage and your outcome for your study is correct. There's actually eight degrees in it, in fact. And using behavioral science, say, to help fight the coronavirus. I mentioned this before. I thought I'd do it again because most folk don't never remember much. And it was from the, 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 the again the Sage Group, right? 
and and uh, also they have a subgroup that they gave the behavioural insights team uh, uh, to work on terrifying the public into compliance. See, and this is your money again. You see, your money pays for you get brainwashed all the time, and you're an animal. And and like on that, see, once you're once you're not a spiritual creature with rights from a god and deity, you're just an animal, and you'll believe that yourself. And so you won't object so much when they say, "Well, you know, we treat you like animals because you're an animal." And, uh, and 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 you'll say, well, I guess they're right, you know. They treat me like an animal. Well, they, they prompted me this and prompted. I had no idea I was getting prompted, you know. But like, I guess they're all you. Know, I'm just an animal. And uh, so this one here is March 2020, using behavioural science to help fight the coronavirus. So conology, that of conning people, right, has been used to to do it all. And eventually, I came out initially from Britain at one point. And um, that's what the different people who took part in this part here, Behavioural Research Unit. And um, it's an article on how they can use it. It summarises useful evidence from behavioural science for fighting the COVID-19 outbreak. Maybe they put out, see most folk read this and think, oh, behavioural science to fight COVID. Maybe they put out, like create fake ghosts, like virtual reality ghosts that's going to scare the viruses away or something. No, no, no. It's to manipulate you folks. <laughs> it's based on an extensive literature research of relevant behavioural interventions and studies of crisis. You know, how to terrify the public. The findings aim to be useful not only to government and public authorities, but to organisations, workplaces and households. Seven issues are covered. Then they go through that, the usual hand washing that they've taught you all about, right? And told you everybody's got their skin peeling off their hands. I read the articles yesterday. Some people were getting poisoned off the, the types of alcohol used that was coming through their skin. And as um, it shows that education and information are not enough, you see. Placing hand sanitizer on colorful signage in central locations as directly beyond doors, canteen entrances. We mean canteen entrances. Everyone's shut. The middle of entrance halls and lift lobbies increases use substantially of, of the sanitizers. You, you imagine they could be, this could be a holy thing, like holy water. It's the same thing. It's all rituals, you understand. Eh? All organizations and public buildings could adopt this cheap and effective practice. By contrast, we lack evidence on reducing face touching. Really, you just have a look and watch the folk. They keep touching it where their nose would be because it clogs up in front of their nose and their mouth from moisture. And so they keep pulling it away from them. And that moisture, it takes any viruses, by the way, through the, through the fibrous tissue. It's just paper tissue, it's fibrous. It takes it through to the surface onto their hands outside the mask, folks. Huh? Do you know that? And look at them. I saw it in a store. <laughs> this woman was... Stand six feet away, and she's she doesn't allow you to touch in. She was going to put stuff in bags and stuff. And her her, her face the whole time she's kept touching this part from her. I says everything you're touching there, you're infecting. If that's the case, yeah. well, she got really ticked off about that. But but that's what they do. It, it, the whole thing is ludicrous. But it's meant to be ludicrous, folks. Especially when they tell you that the asymptomatic people, WHO, probably don't infect anybody anyway, after telling us for, for months before that they did. <laughs> Gaslighting, eh? But anyway, articulating new norms of acceptable behavior, right? 
uh, acceptable behavior as for sneezing and coughing and keeping tissues within arm's reach could help. Isolation is likely to cause some distress and mental health problems. No kidding, you get. That's what, is that why they put prisoners that are really nasty in isolation when they're punishing them that? To try to break their spirit. Is that what they're trying to do with everybody? Stay home, stay isolated, don't talk to anybody, don't meet anybody. So isolation is likely to cause some some distress and mental health problems. No kidding. Requiring additional services. Well, if you get additional services, maybe you only meet folk you don't want to meet when you pass the virus. Preparedness, though, activating social networks, making concrete isolation plans. That sounds nasty. They should change it from concrete. It sounds like a wall in or something, like a horror movie. And becoming familiar with the process helps. So these supports are important. As some people may try to avoid necessary isolation. I wonder why. Eh? I, I guess it's maybe those words that they have in these tests and stuff may, likely may or may not have, for, you know, and if they're negative, they probably have it anyway, but may not necessarily in all cases. Yada, yada, yada. Public spirited behavior is most likely when there's clear and frequent communication. Strong, so here you go, here you go. How you use the mob against them. Strong group identity. There's all the face mask wearers. See, look at them. Six feet apart. Leadership. And, and it says, uh, so, so it says, uh, uh, strong group identity and social disapproval for those who don't comply. Use the mob against the individual. Social disapproval after a strong group identity. This has implications for language, leadership, and day-to-day social interactions. Authorities of, often overestimate the risk of panic. But undesirable behaviours to watch out for are panic buying of key supplies and xenophobic responses. Well, maybe if you don't terrify them, it wouldn't happen. Eh? Community and the social unacceptable of both could be part of a collective strategy. See? Evidence links crisis communication to behaviour change. Wow. As well as speed, honesty and credibility, effective communication involves empathy. We feel your pain and promoting useful individual actions and decisions. Using multiple platforms and tailoring messages to subgroups are beneficial too. These folk get paid thousands of bucks for coming up with this trash. They really do, right? Rather than just say our job is to con people, to lie to them, to, to get groups to fight other groups on behalf of making compliance mandatory, you see. And terrifying. It actually has it in them. I mentioned it before, too. The handout they put out to the newspapers, the same group, by the way, it says that they could, they could, uh, folk could, they could put, it should really exacerbate stories, exaggerate stories, I should say, uh, to create more fear and tension and anxiety, which would help folk to comply all the more. Then I was terrify the public. This is all official stuff, folks. Hmm? Aye. It actually mentions that too, though, you know. But uh, this article is uh, 25 pages, I think. Yep, yep. Oh, it's amazing how they treat us just like animals, though, isn't it? And again, they use our tax money to do it. Oh, mm-mm-mm. Another one, two options for increasing adherence to social distancing measures. Oh, eight pages here, eh? By the same chronologists, eh? Professional liars and manipulators. 
Isn't that something? Perceived threat, it says in this one, persuasion. A substantial number of people still do not feel sufficiently personally threatened. It could be that they're reassured by the low death rate in their demographic group. Although levels of concern may be rising, having a good understanding of the risk has been found to be positively associated with adoption of COVID-19 social distancing measures in Hong Kong. The perceived level of personal threat needs to be increased. Have you got that? The perceived level of personal threat needs to be increased amongst those who are complacent using hard-hitting emotional messaging. I mean, terrorizing you folks. To be effective, this must also empower people by making clear the actions they can take to reduce the threat. In other words, comply. (laughs) There you go. And then they go on to about, um, there seems to be an insufficient understanding of our feeling of responsibility about people's role in transmitting infection to others. Well, the WHO has given us two stories that uh, people without, without symptoms uh, probably aren't passing on anybody anyway. I said, this may have resulted in part of messaging around the, the low level of risk to most people. See, they're, 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 you understand they're studying all your text in real time. They've got access to all your data and algorithms and so on, pick up all your stuff through, through different phrases, words that you use. So they actually call it that, eh? That, that this may have resulted in part uh, from messaging around the low level. You're, you're messaging to each other of risk to most people and talk of the desirability of building herd immunity. Messaging needs to emphasize and explain the duty to protect others. Mm, there you go. All right. And then it says, tailoring, some people would be more persuaded by appeals to play by the rules. Eh? We're all children to these ooh, evil characters. Some by duty to the community and some to personal risks. All these different approaches are needed. The messaging also needs to take account of the realities of different people's lives. Messaging needs to take account of the different motivational levers and circumstances of different people. Then you give it incentivization, social approval and social disapproval, yada, yada, yada. Never mind the fact they can't give you any hard fact and data on their testing methods to even prove if this thing even exists. Hmm? Facts don't matter. What matters is your compliance to the orders and doing dumb things, you know. Like suffocating yourself behind a mask. I'll put these links up, remember, for everybody who's really interested and who's not bored stiff by now. Because uh, this, you understand you're living through incredible history. You know, this is incredible times. And those, those of you that can live another 10 years and 20 years, no matter what the world will end up by then, I'm sure it won't get any better. I mean, and that part of I am sure of because they've told us that. Into austerity and st- austerity, true austerity for under under necessity, but to, to save us all, you see, uh, is it not going to be any better? No matter what it's used to give you, it's not pleasant at all. But remember, I'll put up the scientific advisory group for emergencies. That's the Sage Group, right? And uh, again, the special group that works under they were put for underneath them of real high-tech uh, manipulators and, and the, the mind, etc. I've done it before and we'll put it up again tonight, perhaps.
for those that can handle it. Rather than give, understand if you have basic, real scientific facts, put them out there and leave it at that. Instead of employing these professional Bernays-type manipulators and mind control to play with our heads and to turn groups against other groups by creating the groups, the compliant ones and the ones who think for themselves and getting them all clashing. Uh-uh-uh. Another one, too, is that I mentioned already uh, that the woman who um, wrote the disease that never was because of the test. Well, this is from the, this is the one that came out in, uh, from the Times, New York Times. Faith in quick tests leads to epidemic that wasn't. Dr. Brooke Hendren of Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center, shown at the left this month, was told last spring that she appeared to have whooping cough, it says. Here to give you an example of it. This is back in 2007, remember, right? So, Dr. Brooke Hendren, listen to the story. An internist at Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center could not stop coughing. For two weeks starting in mid-April last year, she coughed seemingly non-stop, followed by another week when she coughed sporadically, Annoying, she said, everyone who worked with her. Before long, Dr. Catherine Kirkland, an infectious disease specialist, Dartmouth had a chilling thought. Could she be seeing the start of a whooping cough epidemic? By late April, other health care workers at the hospital were coughing, and severe intractable coughing is a whooping cough hallmark. And if it was a whooping cough, the epidemic had to be contained immediately because it could lead to to be deadly to babies in the hospital and can lead to pneumonia in the frail and vulnerable adult patients there. It's, it's pretty unmistakable whooping cough when you hear that. When you cough, 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 cough uh, uh, until the, the lung is empty. Uh, and then you go, whoop, whoop. You hear that whooping as you try to inhale the air. It, it's pretty well uh, unmistakable. Anyway, it says, at the start of a bizarre episode at the medical center, the story of the epidemic that wasn't for months, nearly everyone involved thought the medical centre had had a huge whooping cough outbreak with extensive ramifications. Nearly a thousand healthcare workers at a hospital in Lebanon, in New Hampshire, were given a preliminary test and furloughed uh, from work until the results were in. That's a lot of folk laid off. 142 people, including Dr. Henron, were told they appeared to have the disease and thousands were given antibiotics and a vaccine for protection. Uh, hospital beds were taken out of commission, including some intensive care. Then about eight months later, healthcare workers were dumbfounded to receive an email message from the hospital ministry informing them that the whole thing was a false alarm. Eight months later, right? Not a single case of whooping cough was confirmed with a definitive test. Growing the bacterium, that's definitive, so you can grow the darn thing, right? So the bacterium is the Bortetella pertussis. In a laboratory, instead, it appears that healthcare workers probably were afflicted with ordinary respiratory diseases like the common cold. Now, as they look back on the episode, epidemiologists and infectious disease specialists say the problem was that they placed too much faith in a quick and highly sensitive molecular test that led them astray. Infectious disease experts say such tests are coming into increasing use and may be the only way to get a quick answer in diagnosing diseases like whooping cough, legionnaires. 
disease, bird flu, tuberculosis and SARS, and deciding where an epidemic is underway. There are no national data on the pseudo-epidemics caused by an over-reliance on such molecular tests, says Dr. Trish M. Pearl, epidemiologist at Johns Hopkins and past president of the Society of Healthcare Epidemiologists of America. But she said pseudo-epidemics happen all the time. I'll say that again. Pseudo-epidemics happen all the time. The Dartmouth case may have been one of the largest, but it was no means an exception. There was a summer Hupenkoff scare at Children's Hospital in Boston last fall that involved 36 adults and two children. Definitive tests, though, did not find pertussis. It's a problem, we know it's a problem, she said. My guess is that that what happened happened at Dartmouth is going to become more common. Many of the new molecular tests are quick but technically demanding and each laboratory may do them in its own way. I'll repeat that. Each laboratory may do them in its own way. (laughs) These tests are called home brews and are not commercially available, but there are no good estimates of their error rates. And their very sensitivity makes false positives likely. And when hundreds or thousands of people are tested, as occurred at Dartmouth, false positives can make it seem like there's an epidemic. I'll say that again for the harder thinking. False positives can make it seem like there is an epidemic. And this article goes on and on. It's a good article, and uh, it just shows you that uh, how, how can, as a lot of folk were laid off eh? <laughs> for eight months before they found out that with their real testing that they couldn't find the bacterium anywhere, you know, or the virus or whatever. They couldn't find the particular agent that was causing it, I should say. And their one, too, is uh, awfully important, this one, too. You see, just like they're saying, oh, you've got COVID, hey. Oh, how do you know that? Well, we presume you have. Because you have what? You know, one, of the, one of the many symptoms, you might be constipated, maybe you've got diarrhea, maybe you've got blocked sinuses, maybe you've got runny noses, uh, maybe you've got an itchy left cheek instead of an itchy right cheek. I mean, it, 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 there's nothing they haven't covered in this darn thing, eh? And as I say, Fauci added the last one, and it really is so comical. He waited until the, the, the allergy season, the hay fever season started, and said, oh, you mean it could be runny noses, you know? <laughs> Foxy Fauci, eh? NBC doctor who claimed he caught the virus on a plane. This is a guy who, who worked on, uh, you know, one of these PR doctors for television, eh? who claimed he caught the virus on a plane through his eyeball. This is a, this is big news at the time. Oh, I got it from my eyeball, you know. Says he tested negative for the virus and never had it. Dr. Joseph Fair, an infectious disease expert. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help that one. This was an infectious disease expert. <laughs> uh, initially believed he caught COVID. He took a flight to New Orleans April 24th and suspects he was infected on board. He told today that he's, he suspected he was infected through his eyeball. He tweeted that he was in the hospital May 13th, released May the 17th. On Tuesday, he said antibody tests were negative, so the virus remains a mystery. But uh, how many folk have got the same kind of results? Eh? If he died, you know, he'd be put down as COVID. So he was left fighting for his life in the hospital, whatever it was, and, and then tested negative afterwards. Eh? So he was severely sickened by something, but it was not COVID-19. And it was an undiagnosed mystery. Hmm. Married of COVID symptoms, he said. That's what he, he had, uh, he says. 
correlated to morbidities. I don't know what else you had wrong there. Despite being uh, negative by nasal swab, he said, I was severely ill for two weeks, four weeks of an incredible condition resulting in pneumonia, diffuse lung injury, and he lost 18 pounds of weight. And it's true, with, with the, these diseases that you get in the lungs with pneumonia, you'll end up getting scar tissue, and uh, you'll lose lung tissue for sure, apparently. And you'll see the, you actually see it on the x-rays. And, and China, uh, because they have been so efficient and cheap there, they can, um, they can run you through an MRI. That's what they use for it too. To actually see the lungs And so it's, it, they don't just uh, Put it down to testing They actually do it to, uh, A visual They can see it say, Well yeah You've definitely got pneumonia At least you've definitely got that right That's much more definitive Anyway He said he would now have A second antibody test To confirm the results And work with other specialists To find out the source of his infection his doctor ordered another antibody test from a different manufacturer to confirm the negative results. I guess you keep just, if you, if you at that level, you can afford all kinds of different companies' tests, and then you'll pick the, the best test that you want, maybe two out of five or whatever. Say this, and whatever suits you depends on how you feel that day. But anyway, he, he said here that he, he has worked in the Democratic Republic of Congo, tropical diseases, eh? And uh, path forward is a second and AB test follow up with uh, pulmonologists and tropical medicine specialists in an effort to diagnose what made me so well. He says he believes he can contract an illness in a plane on New Orleans, 20, May 20, or April twenty fourth. He took all possible precautions, wearing masks and gloves, wiping down the area surrounding him on the plane. But passengers were packed in like sardines. Instinctively, I probably should have gotten off the flight when I saw that, he says. He concluded they caught a virus through his eye. So he's still convinced he got it from it because he think he was covered every other way, you know. So obviously you can still get through the eyes, he says. The idea behind the eye is, 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 is that to say that you have these similar ones, the ACE2 receptors too, and the, the, the tissue around the outside the eyes, you see. So it can bind to it there as well. Just like lung tissue. Anyway, um, article is quite good. It gives you more and more data. But again, too, so much is speculative because uh, another thing I've noticed as well, so many folk have got sick uh, for, for years now, like ten, at least 10 years. I can remember even 10, yeah, 10 years ago when they had the different flus coming out, 2009, 2010. Uh, they weren't getting, t- they weren't, Getting positive tests, even for the few that had it done. <laughs> Everyone else got eventually lumped in as having swine flu or whatever. That's what they're told to do: is put them all down as swine flu, even though there was no definitive testing for it. And that's what was ordered in Canada at the time. I remember that I did the shows on it at the time. And uh, but the, but the folk were getting definitely heavy bronchitis. And into kind of pneumonias and getting antibiotics that, that set in. If bacterial infections often generally set into these bad viral infections that, that breaks down the tissue in the lungs, you see, and bacteria immediately fault gets in, that's it. And then you, so now you've got a bacterial secondary infection and you've got to get antibiotics for that too. But some folk would try to fight it out themselves. And I'm telling you, that's what they said at the time up in and it, that, this, this particular odd one lasted, it's still on the go yet. It hasn't gone away 
um, for the last 10 years. Occasionally, folk will get it every other year. And same symptoms, they start coughing, they have all the symptoms of a heavy cold, then the flu, it seems. And then they get bronchitis, uh, like a, a bacterial one. Then they get antibiotics to clear it up. Uh, or they don't get antibiotics, and what they all seem to clear up, they don't come back again about two weeks later. That, that was the common symptoms of this oddball one that they so far supposedly haven't diagnosed. It's, that, that's been around for years now. So who knows what that one is too? Was that released as well? Was that a trial result? Who knows? Who knows, eh? But, uh, but they're, they're picked on this COVID idea, even though they can't isolate the thing. Uh, so there you go. Now, this is important again, this one as well, and I want to just mention, before I go into this next one, remember getting back to cuttingthroughthematrix.com, I've got to keep saying it. I remind myself to say it because uh, you know, for years and years and years I always forgot to say it. Uh, to send a few bucks my way, cutting through the matrix.com, how to do it, etc. And because um, I have to tick along as well. Maybe you can send cash as well, or a check, or use PayPal. And I think there's Instagram as well. Uh, the one you take to the, to the post office, they still do that. Some countries still have international postal money orders. I don't think the U.S. is uh, sending them to Canada now, the actual international postal money orders. They'll send bank orders, naturally, or any personal checks. That's okay. As I say, you can still send cash. So go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and if anything happens to end the sites, use the other sites listed on that one. All my official sites are listed on that one, so you know they're genuine. And hopefully there'll be others left, the other sites left, if anything happens to the comm site. Because things are changing fast. And these characters at the top, they're not going to mess around with small fry. They're a nuisance to them. This is a wartime scenario for them. And in all wartime scenarios, they're ruthless. In fact, they're ruthless even, even when you think it's all peaceful. <laughs> There's folk have accidents all the time, all the time. In every country. That's the reality. You've got to get this out of your head of this Disneyland system of rights that you th- you've been born into and see how it really, really does work. I mean, some years ago, and it's awfully true, uh, there was uh, so many uh, biologists who worked in some labs. A whole plague of them getting killed. Just, they all, you know, committing suicide and uh, falling over railings and down steps and stuffing out windows and it was just astonishing. Uh, this, is, this is the real world, folks. This, this happens all the time. And the same with Dr. Uh, Kelly that came out a few years back, too. He was found suicided, supposedly. Uh, just like he said he would. He said, they'll find me in a forest my, with my uh, wrist cut, and that's exactly what they did. And he was due to go up and give testimony about biological warfare systems and so on. And they never got to court, naturally. And uh, but at the same time, two other ones that all knew each other were dropping dead all over the place. That's the real world you live in. When big plans are afoot, believe you me, uh, nothing stops them. Nothing. And the, these characters now are in full war mode of of compliance, and they're not going to tolerate any nuisance uh, factors at all. Uh, they made quite plain, even with uh, preliminary the, the, the event 201, 
and the uh, Johns Hopkins experiment that they did with um, or trial run for the COVID, <laughs> along with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation together. They, they had a, a, a set of systems that was introduced like one to five, starting with j- just uh, defaming the people for putting out untrue news, etc., and contradicting their, their facts, even though they didn't matter, facts didn't matter, or the truth didn't matter, just contradict them to, to get folk from reading them. I think persisted, start going, take away their money, or, or, or basically blacklist them on the internet until they were shadow banned. Uh, and then if they persisted somewhere or other, uh, you could withdraw their means of support from them, forbid them to get money. Well, guess what four and five would be? They didn't mention that. Yeah. That's the real world you live in. I hope you understand that. And everything, everything hinges. A whole, all the elite who run and own the world and talk, and they actually talk about it that way amongst themselves. Um, they're not going to mess around with, with uh, any little nuisances. And those who really work for them, uh, they, they take little hints. So, so and so is a nuisance. And, and they go off and deal with a little nuisance. And that's how the world really, really does work, folks. So as I say, uh, help me take along here. Well, I can take along. And because uh, I'm not in for, for politics, I don't give a darn about politics. I've, even with Trump, I mean, Trump literally has, I think he's just played his part. Everybody's, the whole world's saying, why hasn't he been more active and, and authoritative in dealing with problems? And, uh, well, well, why hasn't he been? Yeah? Tell me that. Astonishing. The, the world's literally looking at America thinking it's fallen apart. And if that is the case, then you're finished. If you allow it to happen. If you allow it to happen, then it is finished. It's just like uh, Peter Hitchens said before, when he was there, when, when Russia literally just went down <laughs> over a week, and down when the Berlin Wall in Germany. And uh, he, he said it was, it was obviously a command that went across the board to, to all those in charge and all the Soviet bloc countries, obviously. But there was that feeling there, well, what happened? It didn't have to happen. It didn't have to. It was prearranged. That's how things really happen. And when you see, like, mass demonstrations are one of the things that literally had nothing to do, honestly, I, mean, I think very quickly they forgot what it was about. And they were given their, immediate, their, their mantras by the Antifa group that piggybacked immediately and took over this whole thing and then caused the rioting as well. Uh, because you're looking at a communist revolution, obviously. And then the Extinction Rebellion. All these folk are all mixed into the same group networking. It's all your fault, all the adults' fault. There's too many of you. Look what you've done to our planet, yada, yada. You're all enemies, and that's it. Pre-planned, folks. And they're all saying, well, when there's Trump, really? and again, they're saying, well, you ain't get no cooperation. Well... If it's that bad, if that really is the case, then it would be over, wouldn't it? But what you're looking at, too, is with all socialist systems, as I've said before, end up with mass slaughter. That's where it goes. That's their history from the French Revolution right up, you know, to the Bolshevik Revolution. And mass mass slaughters, they're incredible slaughters. Then China did it, too, mass slaughters. And China also had its cultural revolution where the youngsters were, were actually egged on again to get rid of the older folk, which they did with gusto. Hmm? You better start realizing what's going on here and what's been allowed to happen 
for years using your tax money to create the armies that are going to eliminate you, maybe. Eh? With, with <laughs> and I said before, they'll believe they're doing the world a favor. That's how radicalized they are. You understand, when, when, you tr- when you, you've risen people to actually hate, this pure hatred comes out of them, uh, now you've got a real problem. You can't, you can't argue with radicalized hate. And that's what you're seeing. And it's authorized hate. <laughs> dangerous, dangerous stuff, folks. And they always end up eating their own, too, even once they've eliminated everybody else. Uh, the, the, those at the very top encourage them to, to eliminate each other, and they will. <laughs> That's his history, right? Quite amazing. So, yeah, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and see how to send me a few bucks my way, hopefully. And now that the mail, as I say before, they said before, uh, I've already set off two shipments, and I've got one more to go in two days. And, uh, and that'll be that lot done and cleared up and they'll get them within 10 days, hopefully. Should be. And I'll feel a lot better then. It took, I mean, this, this, this is just me. Uh, closed down when you can't get boots and you can't get this. I've got more now, but uh, you can imagine every business across the country, you know, big businesses and so on. Not me, not Potter, little me, but big, big businesses. And this is a war scenario you're looking at. Actually more catastrophic than most wars. Folk were in lockdown in their homes and their businesses stopped because of the wars. This is the one. This is the big one. <laughs> For a global reset. A reset on the way of life. Uh, what new values will be. New rules, regulations, new, new culture. Yada, yada. Yep, there you go. Your master's voice has spoken, and we're all to obey them, apparently. Or they'll turn mobs on you. You know, they will. And here it goes to uh, a bit vaccine. Forced vaccination plan unveiled. And uh, it says Stanford University legal and medical authorities join forces to fashion an indiscriminate mandated mass mass vaccination plan that would frighten the public, disregard lawful protections of informed consent, and result in needless deaths. This is a war on the people. Total. It's been declared. Our health overlords propose a dangerous infectious disease control plan that mandates indiscriminate immunization for all Americans, a plan that is far more dangerous than the COVID-19 coronavirus epidemic itself. Writing the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine, Stanford Law School and Health Policy Departments propose priority vaccination for high-risk groups that comprise the population that are least likely to benefit and most likely to experience side effects and hospitalization from COVID-19 coronavirus immunization or from any vaccine for that matter. So it says it's involuntary at first, then it's mandated. The Stanford plan would initially roll out a completely voluntary inoculation scheme to be followed by compulsory vaccination that would penalize refusers with employment super suspensions and or stay-at-home orders, as I've said this already, so damn. And um, their plan calls for a future FDA, 
the Food and Drug Administration, a licensed vaccine, a vaccine whose side effects will not be completely known until it's widely used, and even then it could take months or even years to see all of it, that according to another Stanford University study would benefit only a minuscule portion of the population. How about that, folks? Eh? That study is shit. Lord, what's it really for if it's not to help you? Huh? Well, we won't, go, we won't go there, but <laughs> keep that in mind. That, that study from Stanford showed, as validated by blood tests, the COVID-19 coronavirus only infects Americans at the rate of 1 in 3,868 encounters, right? Range uh, 626 to 31,800, with others who are already infected and results in death. Only 1 in 6,670,000 contacts among Middle East Americans. This is despite the, the fear generated by TV news, the risk of acquiring COVID-19 coronavirus infection is remote. And that is more of real facts, actually. These are tests that are done in good studies, too. But facts don't matter, right? It says, with presumption, the vaccine is 100% effective. That's what they're presuming. Those numbers put a limit on the percent of vaccinated subjects who could possibly benefit from vaccination. 19 million would need to be vaccinated for one person to avoid death. <laughs> uh, but what about all the side effects in, in this 19 million name? Even if only 1% experience side effects that result in hospitalization in a population of 328 million Americans, that would result in three. Th- million, 280,000 vaccine-induced hospitalizations, which would overwhelm the one million bed healthcare system. Using data from prior flu vaccine studies, about 1% of those vaccinated may require hospitalization after vaccination, and 1% of the hospitalized, that's 1 in 200, would die, which would result in 32,800 needless deaths that would likely be blamed on the COVID-19 coronavirus. <laughs> Wouldn't it, truly? The vaccine itself may be perfectly safe when received by healthy subjects. Maybe, right? But frail, elderly, malnourished, vitamin and mineral deficient individuals would be the most prone to suffer side effects and death when admitted to hospital with its inherent problems of antibiotic resistance, medication errors, vent- ventilator lungs, trauma, and failure to check for vitamin and mineral deficiencies prior to admission. Apart from that, I should just add here too, if you're over 60, they give you a higher, a more powerful dose of the adjuvants to try and make it work on you, <laughs> which is a bit ridiculous. If the normal stuff wouldn't work because your immune system's compromised or its low is dying off, it's not as strong as it used to be then giving you more adjuvants to try to force it to take on you, is this going to cause more? Is that po- adjuvants are poisonous. You have terrible reactions to them. So high-risk individuals are least likely to benefit from, from vaccination. So, so as well, it may appear to vaccinate high-risk individuals. Diabetics, hypertensive, obese, and autoimmune. These are the very people whose immune systems do not respond well to vaccines and are subject to side effects. For example, flu shots are not very effective for the very young and the very old. Flu vaccines are 40 to 60% effective in the population at large. 
That's what they say. And as low as 23% effective for certain strains of the flu. This is a CDC report. In other words, it's like a toss of a coin where it works or no. Like, <laughs> between 40 and 60% effective is, is like 50%. Right? As an aside, flu vaccination may actually increase the risk for coronavirus infection via a mechanism called viral interference. Right? By 36% said uh, one recently published study. And I've mentioned that before too, that the Department of Defense in 2017 in the U.S., had warned them to stop giving the flu shot because the particular flu that was out there, you, once, once you got them vaccinated and then the actual wild virus hit them, the real one, then it caused a tremendous uh, reaction. Uh, again, uh, yeah, a tremendous um, cytokine storm in the lungs that ended up <laughs> killing some of the service people. Don't forget that. I can, because 36% has said one in one recently studied published study, it says uh, viral interference caused it in one, one particular flu vaccination. But despite the, the fact you can read this on yourself, proponents of vaccination deny any such link between prior flu shots and subsequent COVID-19 coronavirus infections. Viral interference is reported in other studies. For example, those individuals who were vaccinated against the flu in the previous fall of 2010 were 1.4 to 2.5 times more likely to become ill from the H1N1 strain. That's true. In Canada, they put out a warning, a panicked warning from the from the national health system here, telling folk to stop taking the flu shot because it made them more prone to the actual flu that was around. It was actually caused them to be come down with it. Yeah. So yeah, so so the ones that says who were vaccinated against the flu in the previous fall of 2010 were 1.4 to 2.5 times more likely to become ill from the H1N1 strain of the flu the following year, which happens to be the predominant influenza strain in circulation this year, 2020. There you go. So you have to wonder if if the cytokine storms is caused by COVID or, or this particular flu hitting uh, those have had their flu shots already. This is all has to be. You can't poo-poo this stuff. This is the ones that scientists all have to go over and, and, and work out. Having an opinion isn't good enough. It's the facts that count in the end, isn't it? So it's not belief. It's supposed to be based on the facts. So these high-risk groups have inherent problems activating antibodies against any infectious disease, which is why most vaccines require multiple inoculations and include toxic adjuvants, that's a trouble, to provoke an immune response. Also in the priority list for forced vaccinations are prisoners, people with prior respiratory problems, nursing home patients, and healthcare workers. They're going to get, be made to take it off, first of all, you see. And while current treatments are being rejected, the Stanford plan will require evidence that existing treatment or, pre- or prevention of COVID-19 coronavirus is ineffective, Right? which at the moment is solely compromised of archaic quarantine and lockdown measures and limiting contact with the virus itself by employing face masks and social distancing. Obesity, further induced by lockdown, increases the risk for COVID-19-related deaths. Indoor lockdown deprives people of sunshine and vitamin D that impairs immunity and increases risk of death. Quarantine and lockdowns are counterproductive. Any prospective treatments such as hydrohydroxychloroquine and HCQ and zinc 
uh, nebulized hydrogen peroxide as well as vitamin and mineral regimen zinc, vitamin D, C and selenium are ignored and dismissed outright by the CDC characterized as unproven, even potentially dangerous. There is sufficient evidence for nutrients therapy in the prevention and management of COVID-19 infections. But without a vaccine or an approved treatment, vitamins and minerals have vanished from retail store shelves without widespread reports of any side effects. Then it says public demand for a vaccine. According to a Stanford report, only about half of the U.S. population plans to be vaccinated against COVID-19 coronavirus. I actually saw some, it was about 0.3, it was about 34%. That's why hospitals are overstating the deaths attributed to COVID-19 and why news agencies create continued fear over a common cold virus that results in few, if any, symptoms upon infection and only kills a very few. Our modern healthcare system is overcommitted to vaccination. The prospect of a vaccine is dimmed by the fact that 90% of vaccines that enter human trials fail to make it to market. These are all links, by the way, all links for all these things. Given the remote possibility of a safe and effective vaccine ever materializing, the nation may await an imagined vaccine at the expense of finding an effective treatment. And then mortality rate is far lower than quoted. And it goes into that too. Um, how they fudge the figures, etc. And the death rates and put them all down to COVID. Yada, yada, yada. Hmm. Uh, it goes on on this link. It's quite good though. But it does touch eventually on uh, the rights of informed consent. Hmm. Stanford report calls for mandate vaccination overlooks certain rights to informed consent that are required by Title 21 of the Code of Federal Regulations for persons who receive newly licensed vaccines in a clinical study. Since all vaccinated Americans will be enrolled in a surveillance study, stage four, in order to gain full FDA approval, informed consent will be legally required. Don't forget, too, under the Nuremberg Code that came out, the Nuremberg trials, they can't use the people for experimental uh, medications or, or, or for any experimental purposes, by the way. And uh, so they're going against that, too. Don't forget that, folks, you know. And that was to do with genocide. <laughs> also says here, furthermore, doctors should individually assess the chances a person has of benefiting from vaccination. Patients have the right to reject uh, hold harmless clauses and would then make uh, health practitioners legally liable should they proceed to vaccinate an individual who has little chance of benefiting, benefiting from it. You should, uh, if, if it's made mandatory, you, you better get, uh, make, get it all made up in advance. And it's forms that doctors or whoever's going to inject you must sign with their name on it and address and so on. Uh, so you can sue them if, if you get any bad reactions. After them telling you that you're going to be fine. And it will state that, that, that the eye so and so tells you this patient will be fine and quite safe from this vaccination, which I am forcing upon them. <laughs> How about that, folks? And uh, yeah, you've got to have the right to, to, to sue. Uh, that's, that's the least you have to save your, yourself. Eh? Obviously. You can't start to, you, doing your told by a scientific tyranny, the kind that Bertrand Russell talked about, who is all for it, eh? He said, if it's going to be a tyranny, I prefer it be a scientific one. He was, a, again, another socialist, totalitarian-type character, and an elitist. Uh, it says here, though, that um, 
A model informed consent refusal form has been written and published for the public to present to their doctors when and if a vaccine is licensed and available in the US at covid19consent.com. So there's a link on it, this one, uh, that you can print up yourself. Eh? This is not with the vaccine industry or the Centers for Disease Control. That latter, a, co- a co-holder of, vo- of COVID-19-related patents, <laughs> wants to be known. All these folk are completely compromised. They're wanting you to take this, folks. They're, compl- they're on the take. A lot of them. But I'll put this link up, too, in the... For those that uh, care to wade through it, you know. This article is to do with the elderly again. Again, a huge, massive sacrifice. They were, in pre-planning, obviously, uh, it was intended that the elderly, and, and a condition the public that somehow you're worth less once you're elder. This is how, uh, you'd be surprised how you're conditioned and, and what do you think without really thinking through it for yourself is given to you. This conditioning, you think that way. Where's all the other age groups talking about the elderly getting sacrificed by the beyond gross, beyond gross incompetence is deliberate. But it says, we're conditions for high death rates at care homes created on purpose. And uh, why is it happening? Is it simply because older adults are very vulnerable to SARS-CoV-2? What would it be in other words? Or do care homes deserve the lion's share of the blame, such as paying so poorly? Uh, that many workers have to split their time between several facilities spreading the virus in the process. That's what I've said before. They always have them part-timers and care homes so they don't have to pay pension plans and, and other stuff, you know, medication uh, or, or drug insurance, things like that. Eh? Alternatively, could medical experts and government bureaucrats with full knowledge of at least the top tier of government officials have created conditions shortly after the pandemic struck that contribute to the high death tolls? while engendering virtually no public backlash against themselves. That really shows that the third hypothesis is highly possible. The people who create the conditions may be unaware of or oblivious to their implications, but it's also possible at least some of them know exactly what they're doing. And it says... uh, after all, seeing it from an amoral government's point of view, the growing numbers of elderly are a big burden on today's fiscally strained governments because in aggregate they're paying much less into the tax base than younger people while causing the, the cost of health care and retirement programs to skyrocket. Well, they're paid for all. That's what it's all for. You know. You're forgetting another thing too. This has all been discussed before in big global meetings and the university professors get on television talking about the elderly. Shouldn't, we should just, they should just give up and die at retirement age. You know, they've had professors, especially the one in Australia, he was given a lot. The star-making machine made him a star to make sure he got lots of coverage and he comes out every so often and gives the same speech about they, should, they shouldn't live so long, you know. It says here the three sets of conditions are clearly to create a framework for enabling significantly boosted healthcare deaths and doing so with impunity, uh, even while, while most of each set of conditions in isolation may appear to be purely for the benefit of everyone in society. Bureaucrats develop extremely broad definitions of novel coronavirus infections and outbreaks. No kidding. Eh? This is coupled with the continued presence and number of care homes scattered across each jurisdiction of at least one nurse or physician who follows every letter of all definitions and rules. Such individuals are always present and every 
and every discipline. But in the medical milieu, their actions can be deliberate, deadly, and very hard to detect. And he goes on through the different uh, problems that could happen and uh, made, it, made it happen in the care homes. And I think personally it's because they terrified the public, completely terrorized them actually. And uh, and I still want uh, to see, uh, talking earlier on about uh, static and storms and so on, and uh, the pulmonary priming uh, that can happen with it too, with vaccinations, then you hit the actual real virus later on. How many of these folks in these homes mandatorily had all flu shots? Huh? You've got to take these into consideration. You see what, why, they, why they had severe reactions by this whole thing, eh? You, this, this cannot be dismissed scientifically. You've got to, th- th- these are all the things you have to consider and study to rule things in or out. Hmm? And if they won't do that, there's sums up. It's not, it's not scientific at all. Let's not put that link up too for this particular article. Another one too, as I said before, is um, I'll put up the one from Canada. Uh, where they're challenging uh, this to the Ontario Superior Court of Justice and by the Vaccine Choice Canada I'll put that article up by them it's a PDF and it's a big one too it's uh, 191 pages I think for those who want to to look through it and here's a beauty for a scientific establishment too the things see I don't even expect anyone to even yawn with the articles that I, that at one time should should have shocked people. Nothing shocks them anymore. We've, we've we've found dumpsters before with baby parts in them over the years. That was a normal thing in some outside some clinics. They've had articles in the last year or two of doctors who just retired and died, and they found thousands and thousands of baby parts. They don't know why they they, they said they don't know why they saved them all, but um. I guess it's folk that just take pride in their work or something, you know. But uh, some folk collect, you know, ornaments for the for the mantelpiece and stuff like that. But the scientists, uh, you have to really, you, you must get the shivers once in a while. I would think so. I mean, I still get them once in a while. And, and it takes a lot to move me, believe you me, in that respect. But uh, I don't expect anybody to be disgusted about anything anymore. I can remember doing a show years ago where I think, I think it was Manchester, Greater Manchester area, the director for the, the National Health Service at the time was called up and he questioned. It wasn't a fire or anything, but some, for some reason it was never explained to the public that over a course of so many years, thousands of corpses and parts of corpses of children up to the age of 5 to 10 years old or something that supposedly died in hospitals had, had, had all... They'd found parts of the bodies, so that they start having second, secondary funerals, notifying the people when they when they identified them DNA wise and so on. And 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 so here's the poor parents having grieving again, and then over a year or two, more parts of the same bodies would turn. Thousands of them. They even found refrigerated parts in a. a, a, a this was in England, remember. They found refrigerated parts, say thousands of them, eventually, in, I think it was a, a warehouse and storage, coal storage, in, in Nova Scotia. Never explained to the public why this was armed. I didn't know if anybody got charged or not at all. I don't think so. 
We live in the dark, people. We live in the absolute dark as to what really happens. Honestly, so nothing shocks the people anymore, anyway. But uh, Judicial Watch obtains records showing that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, paid for fresh and never frozen human fetal parts for use in humanized mice creation. And uh, that was Judicial Watch that announced this and announced 165 pages of records. If you want to download it, the link is here. Uh, from the Food and Drug Administration, showing the FDA between 2012 and 2018 entered into eight contracts worth $96,370 with advanced bioscience resources to require to acquire fresh and never frozen tissue from first and second trimester aborted fetuses using used to produce and creating humanized mice for ongoing research. This kind of stuff is common all over the place. Mm. So ABR, the company, right, is a non-profit firm for which has been the subject of criminal referrals from House and Senate committees investigating whether Planned Parenthood or any other entity was illegally profiting from the handling of fetal tissue from aborted. Well, they'd never do that, you know. Uh, uh, there you go. But anyway, I'll put this article up for those who care to even look at it. Most folk don't give a darn today. You understand, we've all been taught that life is awfully cheap. Awfully cheap. You're another animal. Like, don't forget, go back to Julian Huxley, who helped set up UNESCO, right? And Planned Parenthood, too. Who hated the vast bulk of ordinary people, as all the founders of that did. And, uh, and, and he was quite plain, we've got to knock people, the humans, off the pedestal that are a superior species on the planet in order to control them. And, and, and they wouldn't obey you. When, we, when, when they, You understand at one time, the things we're accepting today would have caused mass riots. We don't riot now. Certain selected groups are told to riot and encouraged to riot and paid to riot, some of them, but leaders are for sure. But we don't riot for, for natural, normal things all the time that we should be. We've been dumbed down. We're not off the pedestal. It's been a, a, a top species on the planet. Like Huxley said, we're trained to do that. And so you devalue your, yourself and others. Once you dis, dis, see, once you devalue the life of others, then th- th- that falls. <laughs> you've, you've just devalued your own life too. When it comes your turn, whether they're going to keep you alive or, or kill you, what do they know you say about you? What's so special about you? That's, that's again what one of the top guys said. George Bernard Shaw, why should we keep you alive? Uh, I hope you understand. This. You've all been trained into this. So, yeah, here you go. With uh, so, so no one cares really who's getting chopped up. And, and of course, humans are not to blame. They're engaging and causing all these aborted uh, tissues and uh, feces and so on uh, for their own actions. It's never their own fault, you know. The system made them do it. It's just how we devalue ourselves in the process, constantly, constantly. And then you, then so you start at the, the, the one end, before life, is released, or before they're born. And then you go into post-birth, now abortion, which is just murder. And then you into, let's kill off the, the adults. Also, you do that now, they're not worth anything, are they? And you've all been trained, trained step by step into completely devaluing your life. And then, of course, don't stop there. Oh, you know, you, you've got an illness. You, you, could, you could live for another 40 years with it, but, 
but why that could be a burden on society you know why don't you just take this euthanasia pill here you know that's already happening folks but no one cares you see life now and folk have accepted it ah well we're not put our way anyway we're just another we're not even a good animal we're taught to hate ourselves there you go so this article was on about it too and as I say it's got links to the FDA uh, lots of pages to go through etc and uh, this is fairly common this kind of thing unfortunately now, don't forget that Mr. Foxy Fauci said that uh, things would never get back to normal, remember? What did he know that you didn't know? And how come he's into making policy for a society and, and finance and travel and handshaking and all the rest of it? It's strange, this little guy who's just suddenly busy. So he's, just, he's, he's got more power than the president, it would seem, eh? Uh, if, if the president shut down everything in, uh, by himself, and order, he, he'd be out of office and maybe even lynched. But when Fauci says it, he's a scientist, you see, and he, he knows all outside his jurisdiction, you know, to commerce. He's got the whole place shut down and cut, and he's gone bankrupt and and and, and massive debts that you'll never get out of him under, and the whole way of life changed forever because he said so. And you didn't vote for him either, and you're all accepting it. <laughs> International travel won't be back to normal for three years, warns top holiday boss with enforced testing before and after flights likely to replace quarantine. So there you go. It's all these wee things that you have to use. Yeah, you need your immunity passport, for goodness sakes. Eh? And that's how they get across to you. Because it's not going to be just that. It's going to be going from your house to the supermarket. Eh? <laughs> there you go. There you go. More than 8,700 stores are closing in 2020 so far, a number that will surely rise. And it says, um, the list of stores closing is already very long, maybe much longer at the end of the year. The coronavirus pandemic has left many companies in horrible shape. Oh, no kidding, no kidding eh? No kidding. And it says that uh, some have had to declare bankruptcy. I wonder why, when you close them down, the whole economy and forbid them to go anywhere, why that makes them all go bankrupt. Eh? Many employees have not been recalled to work as the pandemic has raged on, and there's been a, a paucity of customers since they are scared they might contact, contract the virus. Debt is now the common enemy. Every retailer who had high debt before all this started is closing some stores and cutting back on new projects. At a time like this, ability to raise cash and to maintain a semblance of free cash flow is quite difficult, even as it's invaluable and enviable for most retailers. Many have had to rely on more borrowing to sustain their business. It has left their future uncertain. <sighs> no kidding. We're witnessing a retail apocalypse that began in 2010 when brick-and-mortar stores started to close and it's only gotten worse over time. Everything's a step-by-step, isn't it, though? When you look at it all, and I said that years ago too, obviously, uh, we can order things straight from China uh, for a fraction of the price you'd buy in a store where it's got big overheads in the store and so on, employees to pay. Then obviously it's going to hammer the, the economy at home, put more folk unemployed and... That's the beauty of free trade, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. That anybody who's working has to sacrifice their jobs for the greater good. Eh? So this goes through this article here about folk going bankrupt and all that. I better list some of them who, that have already gone, eh? I think, or 
she sees a list of uh, store closings so far this year, and it'll be updated. To, this is Forbes, by the way, it'll update it as the time goes on. The company's currency and bankruptcy are listed first since their future is uncertain until they emerge from the court protection. And they give the, the names of them. Chuck E. Cheese is one of them, 54 stores, bankruptcy. Destination Maternity, 90 stores, bankruptcy. GNC, 1,200 stores, bankruptcy. Jai Crew, 54 stores, bankruptcy. Jai C. Penny, are in 54 stores, bankruptcy. It was a whole bunch of Kmarts too, eh? 45 stores. Sporting Goods Company, Model, Neyman, Marcus, Papyrus, Pier Imp- 1 Imports. There's one in Sudbury too, I think, Pier 1 Imports. 936 stores, bankruptcy. Sears, 51 stores, bankruptcy. Signet Jewelers, 232 stores. Stage Stores, 738 stores, liquidating. Oh, that's a whole stack of them here, actually. Hmm. But who'd have thought, eh? Better than any other kind of war with real, you know, bombs dropping and things, they managed to shut down the entire economy uh, as, as, and bring it to states that you might have reached if you had a 20 years physical war, like a normal, regular war, eh? They've done it all very quickly. Very efficient, isn't it? Just terror itself is awfully efficient when you've got professionals managing the terror and how to put it across to the public and how to terrify them and how to exaggerate certain types of, of the terror to, to make folk comply, all authorised by your own governments. This is not speculate. This is what I've read you earlier from the SAGE reports and so on, from governments. Eh? And uh, New York City Black Lives Matter marches can continue despite large event ban, de Blasio says. So... Um, I guess, again, some are more special than others, and, and these utopias we're in today, and it, it, that's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah. So other, other big, large events are cancelled uh, by, by, by law, by, by di- dictate, I suppose. And uh, there you go. This is the new system. And, uh, yeah, well, nothing surprises me, or you, I suppose, eh? Trump and uh, Mexico president meet to discuss new U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade deal and the USMCA trade deal. That, that's really the same NAFTA deal. This is between the U.S.-Mexico-Canada to affect July 1st. But White House officials and one expert say it's not much different than the deal it replaced. President Trump welcomed Mexico President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador to the White House Wednesday to celebrate the launch of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. The Commerce Secretary Wilbert Ross, one of the architects, said the pandemic should not hurt the trade deal's rollout. And uh, right now the the Mexican manufacturing sector is only working at 50% because of the coronavirus. But uh, yeah, they, they changed the name of it really. And uh, for some reason, I think Justin Trudeau couldn't go or something. Aye, it's quite some, isn't it? That the world we're living in is something else. It really is. I was looking up too that uh, again they're going to fulfil all their goals with who can open up, when they can open up. Are you are you important enough to open up? Are you necessary, essential? Yada yada, yada. and uh, or or if you can't, hmm. and that's the end of society as we know it. That's what it was planned to do, of course, and. Fauci said that at the very beginning. He didn't even want a lockdown to end, remember. He wanted it right into the following year. 
and uh, that's what you're getting. <laughs> you had a little wee bit of break, a week, a week or two for the summer, uh, which would quell you a bit as the riots, could, the, well, protests and riots could continue. And then lockdown comes again, except for some groups are still <laughs> allowed to do it all. Everyone else is shut and closed, including big events and, I guess, sporting events too in some areas. I don't know. It's, it's astonishing. As I say, what's been accomplished so efficiently with years of planning to make this happen, obviously before the event happens, and but in a few months they've literally wrecked the economies of, of nations across the world. Exactly what the World Economic Forum said. We've got to bring the folk into complete sustainability. And sustainability means bringing in the complete austerity programs, by the way. post Post everything, post consumer, post manufacturer, post, post, post. <laughs> and folk can't quite get it, can they? Why would they do that? It's their world. It's not yours. It's theirs as far as you're concerned. And as long as you obey them, it'll continue to be their world, obviously. Now, when I put up uh, an article from Ron Paul, uh, from his uh, group anyway, and it's written by Caitlin Johnson. It says, as long as mass media propaganda exists, democracy is a sham. A new Reuters poll, or Ipsos poll, has reportedly found that a majority of Americans believe the completely discredited narrative that the Russian government paid Taliban-linked fighters to kill the occupying forces of the U.S. and its allies in Afghanistan. It says here, i give you examples of the, of the fake news. This, this, this authorized, right, is fake news. <laughs> and uh, these 21% are objectively correct, and the story is not credible, and it's not even close. Gareth Porter shows in the gray zone how the bounty gate narrative is so utterly baseless that even U.S. intelligence agents have dismissed it. And they have, but, but the article itself is showing you how the, the, the mass media today all works as one. Oh, it really does. And uh, they're all like all in one in the propaganda for COVID, for instance, and to be very afraid and be very terrified and yada, yada, yada. But, and it never stops, but there, there's no real uh, dissent amongst most of the mainstream media. It's all, it's all pretty well on board with the whole thing, isn't it? And, and the media all went along that all these, the, the protesting that went on was all peaceful. And you can see it for yourself. A lot of it wasn't, for goodness sake. I mean, here's an article here on um, Portland. Portland's interesting. I don't know why it happens more, but there's more propaganda there coming out from out of Portland there on its own woes, etc. But night after night, they've had, uh, I think, City Hall attacked and they're trying to burn it down or something by all kinds of, and, and even fights with the police there. But it says demonstrators in Portland engaged in what was dubbed a night of rage. This is one night between, before it all started there too. It was already, they're already doing the same thing before this particular event happened. It says to avenge the death of Black Lives Matter protester who died over the weekend after a man drove his vehicle on a closed freeway. And you can actually see that, that little clip of where it happened. This is where a protest was taking place. The Multnomah County Sheriff's Office is aware of an event tonight calling for a night of rage at the Justice Centre in downtown Portland. And it says, we strongly support the right to demonstrate and for people to use their individual and collective voices and so on. And it says, um, 
Tory folk gathered in front of the federal courthouse for a sit-in, and uh, the event coincided with the night of rage protest over the death of Summer Taylor, of Summer Taylor, who died Saturday after being struck by a driver who drove his vehicle onto a closed freeway where a protest was taking place. This driver, by the way, was driving a pretty new, expensive vehicle anyway. It looked pretty well new. But regardless, he himself was Eritrean, I think, the city he was from. He came over as a student uh, and had stayed from 2014, something like that, I can't remember. But goodness knows why he kept driving. And he, and he, maybe he panicked when he saw them all on the road. Who knows? It's at night, you see. But uh, why are they attacking? Why are they attacking uh, the courthouse? Hmm? But they, I think the attack to the courthouse was already happening before that happened. So it's it's on the go. I mean, Portland's been racked with uh, with, with uh, massive uh, <laughs> rioting. When you start burning places down, that's not a protest, people. You know, it isn't a protest. A protest is something where you, where you peacefully hand out. Uh, uh, literature to, be, to people in the cars and things like that. You, you don't go up and jump on the cars and smash them. Yeah. That's what, again, Peter Hitchens said, that the ones today are not there for debate. <laughs> it's their way or no way. And, and they want to take it out in somebody. And that's the truth of it. But uh, then you have an article here, Portland businesses now have lost $23 million due to the violent protest. Why are you calling them protests? I mean, Burning places down is not a protest, folks. That's not protesting. That's anarchy. So they've lost $23 million since violent protests have racked the city, authorities say. And it says that the intensity of the violence and length of the demonstrations have been unprecedented in the city's history. It's a model state for the city, for the, for the United Nations, a goody, goody, goody city. It's sustainable, and they've got more folk bicycling there than anywhere else, and yada, 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 you know. So it says, um, protests have occurred for 41 consecutive nights following the death of George Floyd, black man who died while a cop kneeled on his neck for eight minutes in Minneapolis, and the protesters are directing their efforts towards destroying federal property. You know. And it's on and on and on. And the, the world is watching this. And, and uh, yeah, what is the message to the world? Eh? What is the message? The message is <laughs> something is going under. And what's going to replace it? You know? Well, I don't even have to guess much what, uh, what's going to replace it. It's going to be complete shambles. And folk who, who know how to destroy and burn places down certainly don't know how to make things work. Once rage is gone, what's left? What's left? Is that when the cries for help go out? Oh, help. Um, it's astonishing what's, what's happening. All coordinated across the world, mind you, not just one place. And it's, this is what you call revolution. It's a revolution, obviously, coordinated too by the richest folk on the planet at the top. Who'll use one crowd against another as it suits them? And uh, that's how things work out. Sad, isn't it? But true. But uh, that's the real system. It's beyond your control. You, you don't have much say in it at all. You only have a little bit of say in what maybe you can do for yourself. A little bit, not much, in these times. Because uh, it's been planned on a, on a, a worldwide 
war-type footing. This is a world war <laughs> to bring in a global structurized system. And uh, for globalists who control the planet, they already own it all. And they're the richest folk on the, in the world. And their minions beneath them are not the ones that are rioting on the streets. They're, they're handy at the moment for them. That suits their purpose. The ones who, that work for them all wear the very expensive suits and ties and live in, in, in luxurious homes and things. And they're not the bosses. They, they serve the bosses, the ones above them. But at the moment, as they say, uh, a form of anarchy and communism suits the purpose to bring in globalism. Oh, but we need, we need a global structure to deal with epidemics and pandemics and, and to share things equally across the world. You know, the redistribution of wealth is what's all your, it's all your wealth, a little bit you've got. <laughs> Not for the ones at the top that already own it all. But the folk at the bottom never figure that out, most of them, eh? even the ones that are rising. So there you go. Terrible times, really, to be to be living. But at the same time, for those who can see it, it's incredible wartime strategy. This is a war on everybody else. You see, to make you comply to their system of what they call sustainability, which is all to suit them. And now, over a period of thirty, forty, well, most of us will die off. You see. As I've said before, the ones who are doing the writing at the moment and so on, and who are angry about everything, uh, and angry about the planet and yada yada and the environment, they'll, they won't have children, and they'll die off in, in their turn as well. So they're all useful at the moment. And that's how it's run, eh? All you can do is try to keep uh, some decent friends around you, or at least be in contact with them, uh, to help each other come what may. That's what you have to pledge to. Because they'll have nothing else. Government is not going to help you in the next phase of all. And government obviously is complicit in making all this ha- all of this happen and allow it all to happen. Of course it is, including the whole COVID lockdown, depending on who you are. To get out of your home, eventually you have to get some group that can go out and protest so that so it'll be allowed, you know. And you can get, maybe you can, as you're protesting down streets, you can get into a store and get some groceries. You know, otherwise, you might be allowed out without, a, without an immunity passport. I said that years ago, eventually you have to belong to some special elevated minority group, whoever was the trendy ones at the moment, or you won't have any rights at all. And that's exactly what's happened, you see. So take care of yourselves, stay with each other, get in contact with each other and uh, vow to help each other out. Even if you've had little arguments in the past, we don't, don't let that stand in your way. You'll need people as we go through all of this, obviously. Because it, it's not finished. This is just the start of it. And you will go off your, your, your the cradle, as I say, your, your rocker. <laughs> if you, uh, you will go off your rocker if you don't, if you're unable to communicate with people. At least for most people, that's the case. So it's, it's, it's wise to, to have a few acquaintances that you can keep in touch with, even if it's just emailing them to keep in touch with what's happening and having correspondence back and forth. Keeps you sane, right? From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada. Remember, send a few bucks my way. <laughs> it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.